Hey there, We Can't Wrestle Podcast listeners. If you haven't noticed, we have switched our server to Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First of all, it's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So go ahead, download the free Anchor app, or go to anchor.fm to get started. Highly recommended by me and everybody else here at the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Hello, wrestling fans, and welcome to the latest edition of the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Nate Maxson, your host here with you. And uh, on today's show, tonight's show, wherever, whenever you're listening to the show, uh, we are going to be discussing WCW Bash at the Beach 2000. Yes, yes, we, the hosts of this show, suffered through this pay-per-view for you. And uh, we're going to review that pay-per-view. And we are also going to be discussing our top ten favorite musical artists slash bands from our generation, which Aaron and I have kind of determined that um, our generation, I'm 41, so, and uh, he is four years younger than me, so our generation, we're calling it 85 to 2000, 1985 to the year 2000, so we're going to discuss that, and that should be fun, because uh, I'm sure there's going to be some arguments there, because it's music, and art is subjective, and everybody has a different fucking opinion, so that'll be fun, but before we start the show, I wanted to uh, give a huge shout out you know, <clears throat> earlier in the week, um, I had Archie Mitchell on the show from The Era Facebook page, and um, we talked about how The Era had raised over $1,000 for Jamin Wooten's uh, GoFundMe for his wife, who is suffering from cancer, and what a great accomplishment that was. Well, I want to pass that on also to The Asylum, who we also discussed during that show, who I've mentioned on this show before, Nick Francis, David Gold, John Majewski, all the admins there, and the entire group of The Asylum. As this week, The Asylum also raised over $1,000 for Jamin and his family. Jamin, a member of both of the groups, and uh, it just it tells you that these groups, some of these groups are not just about collecting. They're not just about uh, raffles or, or buying from each other or what have you. It's a community. And and uh, geography does not always determine community. And um, the Asylum did a fantastic job. The Asylum did a fantastic thing. The members of the Asylum did a fantastic thing. And I just want to give a, a mad props to the Asylum. That Facebook group is fantastic. And what they've done for Jamin and his family is fantastic. And we, we, you know what, we're human beings. And we have to care for each other. And seeing the outpouring of uh, what took place this week and last week, it's just, it, it restores your faith in humanity. So... I want to say a big shout-out to the Asylum community, the ERA community, and um, that being said, thank you. And I want to thank Archie for being on the show earlier this week. It was supposed to be a half-hour interview that I was going to put tag on to the show this week. It turned into a three-hour conversation. Archie, 
badass conversation. I, I, I really enjoyed having you on. And that being said, now let's get this party started. I'll bring Aaron in here, and we will start this edition of the We Can't Wrestle podcast, Bash at the Beach 2000 edition. Woof. This was rough to get through, but for you, my listeners, I did it. latest edition of the We Can't Wrestle podcast is on the air. Nate and Aaron here with you, and welcome to a special edition where your your hosts have suffered for you this week, ladies and gentlemen. Have we not, Aaron, suffered for our listeners this week? Fucking garbage. Because we watched the WCW Bash at the Beach 2000 pay-per-view. And we're going to review that pay-per-view on this week's show. And we are also going to discuss our top ten favorite um, musical acts slash artists slash bands from our generation. Now, we determined that with me being 41, Aaron being 36, 37? 36. 36. We're going to break this down. It's going to be just between the years 1985 and the year 2000. So that would be of our generation. Not necessarily our favorites of all time, because obviously that would expand to many, many years and many, many uh, time frames. But just of this generation, our generation, we're going to talk about our favorite musical acts also, which also will probably lead to some arguments and conversation, which is what this podcast is all about. So I want to... Real quick, bring up the, because I don't have the info in front of me. Really quick, just for the sake of things, for the date, the location, everything, I'm going to bring up WCW Bash of the Beach 2000 on the old Wikipedia, the attendance and all that shit. Um, I know it was in Florida. Is there... Is there anything you wanted? Is there anything you wanted to talk about real quick before we start about that about modern product this week? No, because honestly, I haven't watched a lot of it yet. I have it all stored in my DVR. I will say this: I was uh, another good episode of NWA, a really good episode of NXT this week. AEW had a great promo from Cody Rhodes, and. Raw was marginal, and I have not yet seen SmackDown, because obviously we're taping this Friday night, and I haven't watched it yet, so. Um, I haven't hit Modern Wrestling Day. I have Modern Wrestling Day, where I just sit down and just... Power watch everything? Yeah, I just plow through it. NWA was definitely good this week, and it was better than... Not that last week's show was bad, but it was better than last week, so that's definitely worth checking out. All right. So here we go. WCW Bash at the Beach 2000 held on July 9th, 2000 at the Daytona at Daytona in Daytona 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 Beach, Florida at the Ocean Center, which was the same event they bring it up like 4000 times on this pay-per-view where um they're the same uh venue where 4 years earlier Hulk Hogan turned heel and joined the NWO. 
Um, yes, and if I remember right, it's also in 94 where he debuted. He actually he debuted at the WCW Bash of the Beach pay-per-view, but I think the Bash of the Beach pay-per-view in 94 was actually in Orlando. It wasn't in Daytona Beach. Oh, but yeah, it was right. it was the same pay-per-view. Yes, the same time frame. So lots of Hulk Hogan uh like WCW's like for Hulk Hogan anyway, Hulk Hogan moments. WCW's like their Bash of the Beach is like the WrestleMania for WCW if you think about it. Uh the attendance was 6,572 fans. For posterity, let's go back here. Just to show how WCW's business was. And see what the attendance was for the one in 96. Just because I'm curious. Da, 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 da. 96, blah, 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 with the outsiders and the such. The attendance was 8,300. So only about a 2,000 fan difference, but I don't know how many how many people the arena seats. Um, but definitely a downtime for WCW and their last full year in business, the year 2000. Yeah. And we start this pay-per-view off outside... Commissioner Cat, who WCW had like what six hundred and eighteen commissioners in the year two thousand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> only a couple more than WWE, really. But um, the commissioner, the Cat, who I—if you listen to the show, if you know—Aaron and I are both fans of Ernest Miller. No hating on Ernest Miller here. This dude, I, like, he was one of the most entertaining things about WCW in its dying days. I hated him to, on this episode. Yes, though. no, yeah, definitely. I was about to say that, but this is, this is some shit. Like this, but this is more the writings, the writers' fault than Ernest Miller's fault. Like he yeah. does, he, as we go through the night, he does the best I think he can with this material. To be honest, because I, yeah. I, like I said, I mean. And we might be in the minority of wrestling fans. I don't hear a lot of love for Ernest Miller, but I thought the dude was funny. I He was a marginal wrestler, but as an entertainer, I thought he was fucking great. Yes, and they they do this thing where the limo pulls up, and Am I Smooth, a.k.a. Ice Train, is the driver of the limo, and he opens up the door, and he gives him some kind of instructions to tell um, right off the bat, I gotta say this: the audio of this show is terrible, terrible. <laughs> fucking terrible. But he, from what I gathered, told Mi Smooth, aka Ice Train, to tell the Filthy Animals and the Mia that they were banned from ringside for the cruiserweight championship match. And then all of a sudden the John dragons show up and the cat proceeds to like beat them up in like a, a wacky, silly Kung Fu style type thing. And all the people that are watching outside don't fucking react at all. No, <laughs> no they're just standing there. Like, they're just standing there watching this. <laughs> yeah, I, I noticed it's the terrible. same thing. Like, they're just standing out there. 
being fat and hot and just watching. It's fucking horrible. But yeah, I noticed this. I actually wrote the same thing down. Like the crowd, the or the the out the outside folk have no reaction. <laughs> None to what's going on. It, the uh, so there you, the, yeah the cat the young dragons silly segment to start the show and then we we come to our announcers who um, look like they just got back from Chili's <laughs> <laughs> look like they look like three businessmen that just got back you know like three district managers or something that just got back from Chili's we got Tony Schiavone Scott Hudson. And uh, Mark Madden, our hosts for the evening. And uh, we're going to open up with a cruiserweight championship match between Juventud Guerrera, or as Mark Madden refers to him many times, Juicy, um, against Lieutenant Loco, who we all know is Chavo Guerrero Jr. Yes, and Mark Madden keeps trying to say that it's the Juicy Weight title. And watching this, I'm just going to put this out there, that I forgot how much I absolutely fucking hate Mark Madden. Uh, Guess what? My note, Mark Madden fucking annoys me. (laughs) He might be a nice guy in real life or whatever, but I I fucking hate him. Um, yeah, his, his commentary is, is... You know, it's funny because I've listened to Mark Madden do interviews like radio interviews or shoot interviews with Flair or what have you. As a radio, it's funny, as a radio personality, as a sports radio personality, his, he doesn't annoy me at all. But as a pro wrestling color commentator, he's annoying as fuck, this Mark Madden yeah. guy, this fat fuck. And, and, like, one of the, one of the main things I hate about him is that, you know, Vince Rousseau had, like, stupid jokes, and they weren't funny, you know, at all. Right. But Mark Madden felt, and and I'm not saying just Vince Rousseau, wrestling at times tries to be funny or cute or have a hokey joke here or a hokey joke there or whatever, but the commentators don't explain the joke. Mark Madden always felt the need to explain the joke. Yeah. Yeah. What I mean by juicy. Yeah, and if you have to explain the punchline, <laughs> it's not it's, a funny joke. It's like, um, oh, what was that comedian's name? Huh? Huh? What temperature is it there? Huh? Yeah, I know what you're talking about, oh, but I can't remember that guy's it, name. it's just like, yeah. It was it was pretty bad, and Mark Madden's commentary is pretty bad. Um, Shivani tries his best. Um, Hudson is marginal. I, I like Scott Hudson. Scott Hudson's like funny. Scott, Scott Hudson's one of those guys that, I, and this isn't to be a knock on him at all, but if Scott Hudson would have been um, not as pudgy. And been able to have hair that he could have frosted tips in. He would have fit Vince McMahon's, like... You know what I mean? His Michael Cole vision of a wrestling announcer. 
Because his, yeah. his 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 cadence and his voice and everything would fit this like you know whatever this is that Vince McMahon has is his idea of a modern wrestling announcer. Uh, he just didn't have the look, I guess. But um, yeah, Hudson's not bad. Shivani narrate or uh, swimming his way through some shark infested waters here. Now Hoovy and and Chavo actually have a really good match overall. Well. I disagree, but that's okay. Yeah, I I liked the match. I thought the match was good. Um, My thing, the reason I didn't like the match was right out the shoot. Right out the shoot. Okay? mm -hmm. I had to sit through this terrible segment with M.I. Smooth and the cat and the John Dragons and and cat telling M.I. Smooth that everybody's banned from ringside. But everybody comes out to ringside. <laughs> Fair point. <laughs> like, right off the bat. And they make it to ringside. Mm-hmm. And and my smooth was telling him, oh, man, I got you, man. I got you. I got you covered. So what it tells me is either my smooth is inept at his job or... They're telling us that the cat Ernest Miller is the commissioner. None of the people in the back believe that this guy's like, you know, they don't, they don't, he really has no power. They don't expect his, he has no power because he's like my second in command. Go tell these guys they can't come to ringside. And then everybody just comes to ringside. <laughs> I still I still contend I still contend that the body of the match between the two guys was a good match. I'm still gonna I don't I'm, I'm still gonna, I'm still gonna give Hoobie and Chavo credit on that. I'm sorry, I just I'm gonna give them credit there. Well, I gave them one and a half stars. I'm just gonna say that right off the bat. Well, Lieutenant Loco defeated Juventud Guerrera um, in that matchup. And now we have a backstage segment with Jeff Jarrett, the cat, and the fat lady. And some fat broad. Now, and this begins, uh, my rant is going to be in stages here. This begins my rant, okay? I've got the WCW world champion, Jeff Jarrett, right? Yes. And he is going to be challenged tonight by Hulk Hogan. Yes. And Jeff Jarrett is a heel. Yes. And Jeff Jarrett's babyface opponent has not yet shown up. We have not seen his face in the building. That is what we are to assume. Why is this heel begging for his very strong babyface opponent to get to the arena? Wouldn't this heel champion be happy that his babyface opponent has not yet arrived at the arena the, the the story already from from the foundation of the fucking thing doesn't make any sense yes and and they're saying that Hulk Hogan's not here and Jeff Jarrett's mad about it okay and they set this whole angle up and then what made my what made my scalp hurt is that they had Tony Schiavone say, how about that storyline? And here we go. He said, this is my he rant. said Hulk Hogan, 
Hulk Hogan's not here tonight. Fellas, how about that storyline? Jesus Christ. And I'm sure Tony Schiavone said that begrudgingly. Oh, I know he did. You, you, you could tell it in his voice that it's just like, what the fuck? How about that storyline? Which means that this next match really means nothing because it's all a storyline. Yeah. It's, uh, and it really does mean nothing because it's stupid. It's Big Vito against Nerman, Smiley, and Ralphus. And I have to say something. It's for the hardcore, the WCW Hardcore Championship. And I have to say something about, uh, not, uh, what, 19 years later, 19 years later, I'm ashamed. I am ashamed of me in 2000. Because I actually thought Ralphus was funny in 2000. And I don't now. I watch it now and I'm like, this is sad and stupid and why did I ever laugh at this? You know what okay. I mean? Okay, like, okay. well... <laughs> Ralphus in 1998... Okay, yes. Okay, I'm sorry. I, I backtracked. funny. Ralphus involved in the action to this extent. Yes, as, Ralph as, as, Chris Jericho. Jer- as Chris Jericho's security, yes. Ralphus is still in. Yes, you're right. I, I take Ralph back is, kind of Ralph what I said is good. there. Like, he, he was good. Mm-hmm. You know, and Jericho had his, his personal ninja, which was just a guy with a mullet. <laughs> and Bobby Heenan talking about Ralphus is funny. This Ralphus is fucking garbage. And Mark Madden had the audacity to call him like a like a cellulite fat boy or something. It's like, hey, <laughs> isn't that the big fat pedal, big fat yeah. pedal calling the big fat pot black? <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm sure you got fucking extra stilts or whatever on your fucking chair to keep it from breaking down. You fat fuck. <laughs> Then you're going to call this guy a fat piece of trash. It's like, you're a fat piece of trash, Mark Madden. And, you know, I've, I've listened to some some stuff with Madden since, you know, like I said, I, li- I outside, of the, outside of being a color commentator in wrestling, I don't mind Mark Madden. And I've listened, and in his, in his defense, um, he was just going along with what he was told to do because he wanted the job. A lot of the time, like he he will sit there now, and, and after the fact, and, and he, he he does not in all, any way defend Russo. Like at the time, I thought this is a Russo guy. You know what I mean? Like he just on TV, he came off as a Russo guy, but I don't think he was because he will point out the the stupidity of of things that they did, or he you know. I, I don't know. I, I and I'm not again. I'm not oh. trying to like hardcore defend him or anything, but. The, the writing, of, yeah, regardless of, of whether he meant it or not, the, the writing of him saying that about Ralphus was stupid. Okay, well, I'm going to keep trashing Mark Madden as we go. It's cool. <laughs> so, this match was an, abom- an abomination. It was terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to say that I dislike Norman Smiley. But I'm going to say this about this show. This show made me, for a moment, hate people that you like that I really like. Yeah. 
I think, like, you know what I mean? Like, I think Norman Smiley is entertaining as fuck. Okay? Like, screaming Norman Smiley entertained me. Entertained me. I thought, so, like, when he would, like, fight Bam Bam Bigelow or Knobs or whatever, it was good shit. Cracked me up. The big wiggle and all that. It was it was fun or, stuff. Or when he'd start getting beat up and start screaming. I mean, the gimmick in and of itself yeah. was fun. But this match made me hate Norman Smiley. I already hate Vito LaGrasso anyway. Like, I thought, I, I don't know. I, I thought the, the Mamelukes, like, the Mamelukes to me are, are there are a number of things. First of all, the whole thing's boring. They're boring. Um, they, they in no way, and that, that is something else that, that as we go on about Vince Russo, Vince Russo, late 99, WCW 2000, his run, it's funny about his run in WCW too, too, because it seems like it was, when we, when you talk about it, it's like it was five years long and it was like 11 months. Like the fucking guy was, anyway, that's how bad it was. 11 months feels like five years. But anyway, he, he had no idea what to do. You, WCW, okay, yes, yes, WCW was at this point a large national promotion. But in reality, whether they were a large national promotion or not, WCW's base and the way WCW booked was still kind of sort of to a southern old school wrestling audience, if that makes sense. I'm it not, does, I'm and not, that's, what made it, that's I'm, what made it good. I'm not saying that they were not nationally successful, but they, for most of their existence totally promoted to a different audience than Vince did. And in no way, shape, or form do two Mama Lukes or fucking whatever from Staten Island appeal to a WCW audience. In any, No matter if they're a national promotion or not, a WCW audience, that is the antithesis of what WCW is. And, and I, it, it didn't fit. I it, it didn't fit. It didn't work. They were boring. They were shitty wrestlers. Anyway. And what I put what I put on here earlier, and I, I forgot to mention it, and I know he was still involved in some way, but this was like the pay-per-view that I watched where WCW started to like take their downturn. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. In the fact that, for one, it started looking cheap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and... The audio, we mentioned the audio. Yeah, the audio, and just visually it looked cheaper. And say what you want to say about Eric Bischoff, and there's people that say, you know, he lucked into his job and this, that, and the other thing. That's cool if you feel that way. But he's still at least knew how to make something look presentable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looked and like looked a it looked show. Like a, looked like a major league pro wrestling show. Yeah. And and this did not look like it. And he also understood that what we need to be is something other than what Vince McMahon is. 
Eventually, he like, realized that. Like, what Bischoff knew that if we present something different than what the WWE or the WWF at the time is, for one, we're going to get the people that don't want to watch the WWF. Okay. And and then we'll also get the people that watch the WWF that come back to us after the WWF's done or they're not on. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, does that make sense? Yes, it, it does make sense. And that's what I'm saying. There's the different. Here's the difference between Bischoff and Russo. Okay, because when Bischoff first signed Hogan, at first Eric Bischoff did try to do what Vince McMahon did. And, well, see, and, but Bischoff, and, and Bischoff on, did that hold on, to get and, people to show up. And poorly. <laughs> but what Eric Bischoff did and makes him a better businessman than Vince Russo and a better mind than Vince Russo is Bischoff saw this isn't working. I need to course, cre- course correct. Vince Russo. Yeah, but what I'm saying. Go ahead. No, what I'm saying is like Bischoff knew if I sign Hogan. I sign Savage. I sign, you know, Honky Tonk Man. I, I know, whatever. I'll get the people that have stopped watching WWF to start watching me. And now I have their interest. But now I'm going to somewhat flip the script and start doing what the WWF's not doing. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I, I like I have Hogan now, but now see what I'm gonna and, and and now you're watching for a year. Now see what I'm gonna do with him. Mm-hmm. But I will say this I don't think that I think that if you watch if you because uh, we've talked about WCW ninety four ninety five to to length. I think to be honest, that in the beginning, he thought he could get away with just doing what Vince did, cartoon wrestling. But what the, what I was saying, as far as him being a better mind for the business than Russo, is when he noticed it, did, it wasn't working, he course corrected. He was like, okay, I tried this, it's not working. I'm going to do something different. Whereas Russo just went bullheaded with this is, this is going to be WCW attitude. And yeah, yeah, just no, he wasn't going to listen to anybody. His, his stupid, ignorant vision of wrestling is what wrestling was going to be. And he was going to kill, he was either going to succeed or kill the business, but it was going to be that way or the highway. And he was, and it was bad. And by the way, um, Big Vito retained his hardcore championship because he threw um, he threw Norman Smiley in an elevator and then splashed Ralphus through a table. And nobody cares. And my notes say, fuck this match. <laughs> Zero stars. <clears throat> and then Gene interviews Kevin Nash. And Kevin Nash on pay-per-view cuts a promo about Goldberg where he um, curses on pay-per-view and it's bleeped. 
on pay-per-view. And then Fucking stupid. later on, a lot of cursing isn't bleeped, but we'll get to that too. Yeah. So um, it's stupid. And, I'm and gonna, then I'm going to have a bit of a uh, rant about this Nash Goldberg thing, but I'm going to wait till we get to the match to have my rant about it. Okay. Um, well, then do you want, do you want me to continue? Well, the next thing is a video package highlighting the feud between Daphne and Miss Hancock. And you might have to review this because to be perfectly honest with you, I skipped it. No, I, I didn't have time. I didn't have time I, in my life for this match. I'm gonna say this, or whatever. Okay, it was. I just know they were cleaning up cake or whatever afterward. I'm, I'm gonna say this. This is the first match, okay, on this entire pay per view, where they have a video package highlighting the feud. It's a tit and ass match. It's going to draw no money. But, <laughs> but this, this is the one. <laughs> this is the one where we're going to tell you the storyline involved. <laughs> Good point. I didn't even think about that. fucking terrible i'm not saying i'm not now, now, now i'm not saying i don't want to see stacy i was about Keebler. to say i wasn't going to say that stacy keebler isn't a beautiful woman that's not at all that, what we're that, saying that, here seeing but... her panties, i'm not going to say that but why is this the match but you're going to show me a fucking highlight video for and not to bleeding. mention you just said it's not going to make a dime to prove that point what did i just say there's a big hype video thing for this match, and I still don't want to watch it, so I skip it. Because I don't have time in my life to watch this thing a second time in my life. Well, I watched it. Yeah, and during this match... You're a better man than I. You're a better host than I, Aaron. During this match, there's a lot of chicanery, and there's a lot of like so-called sports entertainment. Um... The referee gets his pants ripped off, and then David Flair gets his pants ripped off, and then Daphne, like, they do the, um, remember when, uh, like, the Rougeau brothers or whatever would have the, or the feminine tag team would have the deal where the, the one would get hit, and then they'd fall down in the crotch with their partner? Yeah. Well, they do that. Where Daphne hits Stacy and she falls down into David's crotch and fucking Mark Man's like, they're not even married yet. Now <laughs> fucking laugh and it's fucking trash. And then Crowbar shows up. And he's the only talented motherfucker in the whole situation. Yeah. I, I shouldn't say, you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, I want to say something real quick. Like, like Stacey Keebler's talented. Yeah. And now, she got very good at her job. But in this, he, and, and I like Daphne. Mm-hmm. I like Daphne. But wrestling-wise, Devin Storm shows up in this fucking situation. But go ahead, say what you were going to say. I was just going to say, like, uh, even though, okay, even though it, it was at times kind of silly... The beginning of David Flair's run in WCW, when Bischoff was still in power, 
when he, and again, it was silly, and I don't necessarily agree with the way the story was told, and blah, blah, blah. It was degrading to Flair, and we can get into all that. I'm just talking about David Flair isolated. David Flair, not a good wrestler, but in his role, in his role as a performer, like when he was like, when he turned on Flair and they put him with Hogan and Barry, you know what I mean? That whole, that whole situation. He wasn't terrible. He, it wasn't good. I mean, I'm not trying to say it was like good. I don't, I don't mind was, crazy David Flair. See, I hate crazy David Flair because well, see, see, it's too much. It's too much. I know, but, but, but see, like, <laughs> like that. It's it's like, too like much. Like what what they should have what they should have done with it was like like they went too far with it. Yeah, it's too over the top. But, but what it should have been was if it would have been like, like emo David Flair. <laughs> no, not even not emo David Flair. No, like. Like, you know, like Shane McMahon and Vince, like Shane was like the affluent, like, um, rich, cocky kid, yeah. you know? Yeah. David Flair should have been like the, like a hornball, crazy, ah, like, like. Like he got all of his dad's testosterone and was like, "Dang, I'm gonna do all this and shit." Like, like the you frat, what I'm the, saying? the frat boy, like pussy, yeah. and co- pussy and coke. <laughs> yeah, like like oh shit, like Flair should be like, I'm crazy, but this kid's off the rails, <laughs> you know? Space Mountain, he's space volcano. Woo! <laughs> like like, I don't I don't I don't know how I want to say it, but it's kind of like that. Where even Flair would have been like, dude, scale it back a bit, you know? <laughs> too many blow, too much blow, too many hookers. Like, 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 it's like, we're at the Applebee's, put your dick away. You know, like. Well, yeah, and that would have worked but, too, because at the end of the day, David Flair could have been like, well, Dad, you made me like this. <laughs> yeah. I was just taking after you, Dad. But anyway. This thing, fucking crowbar comes out, and I feel bad for Devin Storm because Devin Storm, honestly, great great worker, was a great worker, and was super entertaining. He comes out, and now he sees that Slick Johnson has his pants off. <laughs> David Flair has his pants off, and he just takes his pants off, and Devin Storm. AKA Crowbar and David Flair have a pseudo wrestling match in their underwear. And then it just ends in everybody covered with cake. And it, it's fucking terrible. That's where I come and, in. That's where I came in at the end of it with the guys mopping up the cake. And I and I think Daphne won. <laughs> you think? think? <laughs> yeah, who fucking cares? <laughs> and and basically what they strip Stacy Keeber down to in this match isn't even worth like sitting through it. <laughs> it's 
it's not it's not like a, a Trish Stratus kind of deal, huh? No. <laughs> like it, it's not. And and like I I'm like I said previously, I'm a heterosexual male. And Stacy Keebler now in two thousand nineteen is all the way live. And I think at this point so she's only like thirty three. <laughs> huh? I said I think at this point she's only like thirty three. <laughs> uh, she's a little older than that. But I mean I'm not saying that in two thousand we were like, you know, in like what's that guy's name? Chris Hansen, like he wasn't coming to the door or whatever. <laughs> but she was even more fit here. It still wasn't worth watching all this. It was fucking terrible. Zero stars. And after this, I check back in and we have uh, more cat and young dragons shenanigans. This time in Cat's office. Well, no, this was Cat walking through the hallway. Oh. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah, the cat. Sorry, the cat's office segment this, is after this is the, the next match. This, this was the only thing. This was the only thing in the show that made me laugh. Oh, when they were hi- this is when they were hiding, wasn't it? Behind a broom or whatever. <laughs> yeah, but that wasn't what made me laugh. What made me laugh is that Ernest Miller's trying to find somebody to fight Jeff Jarrett, and I don't know if this was a joke because of like all the people that were under contract. Oh, and Ox Baker. Oh, yeah, he said, is Ox Baker still under contract? <laughs> that shit cracked me up. <laughs> Ox Baker being kayfabe, being kayfabe for Lanny Poffo. <laughs> yeah, that, that, shit was that, that shit when he was like, is Ox Baker still under contract? <laughs> that was actually pretty funny. Oh, Cat's funny. Well, he didn't write that joke. I'm just saying whoever said, oh, Cat, say, is Ox Baker still under contract? That's fucking funny. <laughs> it was probably and for, guess what? It was probably no, Ferrara. Nobody explained it. Yeah. It was probably Ferrara. They just said it, it was what? It was probably Ferrara. Because as, 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 as sometimes ignorant as I look at Ed Ferrara at the wrestling business, Ed Ferrara is funny. Like he's a oh, fu- like he's a funny yeah he's a funny comedic writer, so that was probably a Ferrara. I don't, joke. I don't even hate Ed Ferrara like wrestling wise. I like Ed Ferrara. Mm. Like I've listened to things that Ed Ferrara's like. It's kind of like what you said about Mark Madden. Where you've heard him say this. You've heard him say that. I, I I like Ed Ferrara. I think that if Ed Ferrara would be. Like, away from, like, a Vince Rousseau or whatever. Mm-hmm. Not saying that he should be, like, a head writer guy or whatever. He, like, he at least understands the wrestling business. You know what I mean? Yeah. I I don't, like, sometimes I think Vince Rousseau doesn't like the wrestling business. Well, Vince Russo definitely doesn't respect what wrestling should be. But I think Ed Ferrara does. Like if you would if you would look at Ed Ferrara, if you would look at Vince Russo and say, "Tell me um the lineage of the N- of the AWA. Tell me something about Vern Gagne. 
he wouldn't Bro. be able to tell you. Bro. But, I, but I think if you would tell Ed Ferrara, tell me about Vern Gagne, or tell me about Nick Bankwinkle, and tell me why these guys mattered, he'd be able to tell you. If that makes sense. Yeah, I got you. Okay. Um, and then the next thing I had was you were talking about the guys cleaning the mats. Yes. Okay. Tony Schiavone, Scott Hudson, and that fat lump of ball fat. sweat. <laughs> that fat lump of fat. Mark Madden. <laughs> Mark Madden have to sit there and kill time Ugh. as the ring crew cleans the cleans the fucking Yeah, this was tedious. This is definitely It was tedious. tedious. If you know you're going to do this segment, and this is why I'm saying that Yeah, why can't we get a video package here, you know? A, a video like... package here or why wouldn't you have a set of clean mats? Yeah. Just to replace them. And that, and that's the difference, at least, definitely at this time. I mean, any time. You can say what you want about the WWE product and the writing. But as far as television production of professional wrestling, there's never been and there never will be a better uh, organization than the WWE. What Vince McMahon and his organization would have done at this time is either we would have had a, a um, video package... Or we would have had some kind of an in-ring promo, or something, something to or kill to kill that time to replace. It. Yes, or or yes, or clean mats to replace it. Yes, but you know what I'm saying, and and we're saying the same thing. But I'm just saying, like, from a, for, you're right from a television production standpoint, this is like five minutes that I'm listening to these guys ramble about nothing and watching fat guys and mullets. Uh. <laughs> so fuck this noise this pay-per-view could have been seven minutes shorter so up next you still there yes we have right. uh, well, up na- next. now is an office segment with the cat Yeah, it was stupid. And I stopped is, talking about these. This is more Jeff Jarrett, and here goes the second part of my rant. This is more Jeff Jarrett coming in saying, Where's Hogan? Where's Hogan? I'm a heel champion, and I want to face this baby face, which is stupid. It's fucking stupid. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's just bad. It's bad. Jeff Jarrett's bad in this. Like, <laughs> not Jeff, Not Jeff Jarrett's bad. The, the whole thing it, it's this one isn't even Jarrett's fault like anything anything Jarrett's ever done that's bad he's done some bad stuff but this isn't even his fault this is the writing failing him and everything involved uh, and I'm gonna get I'm gonna get to the heel face thing later too but this is this is a if Jeff Jarrett's supposed to be a heel champion that I'm supposed to want to see get his ass kicked. This is a terrible job at getting that done. And this isn't even getting to the fucking crescendo of the whole thing, how bad that was. This is just leading up to it. This is terrible fucking booking. Terrible booking. Can you imagine Sting? Like, like 
I'm using Flair because he's the greatest heel of all time. Can you imagine Sting not showing up at Clash of the Champions and Ric Flair going in the arena like to fucking whoever the figurehead was, Jim Hurd or whatever, being like, I want Sting. I want Sting right Where's now. He at? Where's, Where's he, at? he at? Where's he No, Flair would have been like, Haha, Sting's not here, baby. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah, I'm going to party with the girls all night long. And then come go, out come out. I'm gonna and go have I'm gonna go have anal sex and snow cocaine now. Woo! <laughs> yeah, Flair would come out and vote or gloat about his his forfeit victory and say that Sting was chicken and blah 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 and then later on it would be revealed that he was there and we'd get this big crescendo. This story is from the beginning being told wrong. Yes. Um Which which the <laughs> was <laughs> One of the biggest lies that I ever heard anybody say. I don't even fault the guy for saying it. I don't know if I ever brought it up on here. Is I watched the thing where Ric Flair was like, and, and I read it in his book. He was like, I never did cocaine. <laughs> it's like, really, Rick? <laughs> you never did cocaine. <laughs> like, just say you did it. You well, know what I mean? Or, or say I don't remember doing cocaine. <laughs> but I know I did it. <laughs> Yeah, Ric Flair was like, I drank a lot, I spent a lot of money, I, I, I did women, he's like, but I but I never, I never got addicted to cocaine or drugs. It's like, don't, don't fucking lie, Rick. Like, of all the things you're gonna admit that you did. We see you now. You're gonna say, we you're see- gonna say, I didn't, do, I didn't do cocaine. We see you now looking like a melted Muppet with pants that are too big <laughs> come on nate you did cocaine buddy <laughs> like if rick Flair was like i didn't do crack i'd be like yeah you probably didn't <laughs> right or i've never done heroin <laughs> i believe nick yeah <laughs> or if he was like never dropped acid nah I'm 50-50 on that. But then when Rick Flair's like, I never did cocaine. I'm 100% sure <laughs> that you did cocaine. <clears throat> oh, so we're... We've talked about the greatest of all time. Woo! The Nature Boy. And now we have a tag team championship match. It is... Between the perfect event... It is the perfect event, Sean Stasiak and Chuck Palumbo, um, against Chronic. Chronic. Now, I'm going to say this, and some people might spit at this because we are criticizing WCW 2000, but at the time, and to this day, I am actually a fan of the Natural Born Thrillers. I thought that all workers. I, I thought that all of those guys had potential. They did. Um, now, my favorite, Aaron knows this, but my favorite of all of them was Mark Jindrak. But, and Sean O'Hare. Jindrak and O'Hare were probably my favorites, but Palumbo and Stasiak were both passable wrestlers. They had good looks. Yeah. Um, uh, Palumbo and Stasiak, I think, I think the reason I liked... Um, um, Jindrak and O'Hare is I think both of them have had the look and I think they had a little better personalities. Um, Sean stays or Sean Stasiak. Sean O'Hare had the best personality out of all of them. 
Oh yeah, hands down. Hands and, down. And like he had the best personality out of him. And then um work wise and ability, it was Mark Gentrack for days. Yeah. Like Mark Gentrack should have been a bigger deal than what he was. If you've never and if, if you, Oh go, uh, sorry. I'm just saying a lot what ha- like it was really sad what happened to these guys because they got shoved out so quick because mm-hmm. WCW didn't have anybody you know what i mean yeah well no you're right okay. they and that's exa- that's kind of what i was getting to is they got shoved out with WCW because WCW was trying to like feed talent in so quickly cuz they were losing talent so quickly and then they got to the WWE and to be perfectly honest if you're in the WCW environment, if that's where you've gotten started, that's where you've been taught everything you know about wrestling, like they, they literally started in WCW, when you get to WWF and, and, and see how a real organization is supposed to be ran, but this is the WCW system is all you know about wrestling. And the way things work there is all you know about how it works backstage in wrestling. They were the victims of politics in the WWF. Yeah. Um, like, like if they would have came around a year later and went to like OVW, mm-hmm. I'm not saying they would have been on the level of these guys, but they would have gone through the same system that Shelton Benjamin John Cena, Brock Lesnar, Brock Lesnar, Batista, Batista, and Randy Orton went through. Right. And I'm not saying that like a Mark Gentrack would have been Randy Orton, but he would have been a lot more successful and talked talked more about than he is today. Absolutely. And I, I we we um, I was gonna say before we moved on from this. Just for listeners that have not ever done it. Um, and we were just saying about Mark Jindrak being probably the best worker of the bunch. If you have Maybe a chance... Be an evolution. If you want to see what this guy is capable of, look up the name Marco Corleone um, in, in Mexico on YouTube. In the I think he was in AAA. Um... Look, that that is Mark Jindrak, and you can see the absolute fucking potential this guy had. He was he was something and special. It, and I and I didn't think you were going to bring that up, but I was also going to bring up that he was supposed to be in Evolution. Yes, yes, he was. Like, there's promo shots that they took where he was going to be in Batista's spot in Evolution. So. Triple H, Ric Flair, and Randy Orton thought enough of this guy on his look, his ability, his um, ability to speak, that they were like, we're going to try to go with this guy. But he just did not have that WWE training to be in that spot. And they replaced him with Batista. So imagine how different it would have been. No, oh, absolutely. I'm not saying Batista. I'm not saying Batista wouldn't have been Batista, but it could have been a whole different 
situation. There could have been um, five members of Evolution eventually. Yeah. You know, if they would have eventually, if they would have started with the four and then maybe brought Batista in as the enforcer or whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, definitely that 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 dude um, that dude. He had he had the most potential of the bunch, and we kind of got off topic of the match because the match wasn't it wasn't very good. <laughs> but it, it was it was a bunch of big guys doing big moves. Yeah. And so far, honestly, it's probably the best match on the show. So far. And right at the beginning of it, though, and I like Scott Hudson. Okay. I'm going to preface this by saying that because I've posted other things on social media where Scott Hudson, who I'm not Facebook friends with, has liked and commented and said, haha, it's funny. Scott Hudson says something that really made me mad. No. Do you know what it was? No. As Chronic comes out, Scott Hudson, and I know he was told to say it. But I've been, I don't know. You could, you could phrase it differently. Scott Hudson claims that Chronic is the most physically impressive team in the history of WCW. Mm. <laughs> when he said that, I said, Scott Hudson, you can suck my butt. <laughs> like physically impressive. Like we're not even talking about talent here. The most physically impressive tag team in the history of WCW, physically, was probably the Skyscrapers. Like, if, even if I'm, if I'm using that adjective, not, not, you know, skill or anything like... The most physically impressive tag team is probably, like, Sid and uh, fucking Dan Spivey, if I'm going back that far. Possibly. Or Doom. I would, Fucking I'm, Doom. I would maybe I would maybe put the the skyscrapers third. And and the only reason I'd put them third is because I gotta ask you this. Are you gonna tell me or not tell me, are you gonna say is it would you can oh, not say, would you consider the Road Warriors NWA or WCW? NWA. Okay, then the most impressive looking tag team Doom. or physically impressive looking tag team would be Doom. And then you'd have to go Rick and Scott Steiner. Scott, and then the Skyscrapers. And then, and then Skyscrapers. They weren't really good. No, we're, ta- we're just talking about that adjective. Yeah. And then you'd probably go, um, Harlem Heat. Harlem Heat. Harlem and then Heat, you can go, Harlem Heat look like they'd whoop my ass. <laughs> yeah. And then if you if you just go tag teams in WCW, Sting and Lex Luger. <laughs> and then fucking uh, high voltage. <laughs> they look better physically. Than Brian Clark and two, 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 Brian Adams, two bloated guys and with pantyhose on their chest. <laughs> you know, you know how on Raising Arizona that guy's got, like, boy, you got a panty on your head. Yeah, panty on your head. <laughs> I'd be like, Brian Adams, you got a panty on your chest. 
Yeah, like I like Brian Adams. Okay. I'm a fan of Brian Adams. I like Crush. Me too. But Brian Adams was like one of those guys that was like muscularly fat. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yes. Like this dude's a badass and he's tough and everything, but he he's muscularly fat. And Brian Clark was garbage. No matter what iteration of Brian Clark you have, he's garbage. <clears throat> and then also, what I didn't understand about, I understand what Chronic was, like the gimmick, mm-hmm. like the gimmick name. When it started, it was because like they were going to give you chronic pain, you know? Right? Yeah, sure. Is what it is. But Vince Rousseau just saw the name. It was like, oh, Chronic. We got to talk about weed, weed, bro. Weed, bro. bro. (laughs) But he didn't change anything about him. Yeah. So their move was like high times and the double hitter and all this shit. It's like, but but they didn't change their, their look. Let's move on from this debacle. It's fucking garbage. The next the match, match got the match got two stars in my opinion. The next it was ma- a decent tag match. The next match isn't terrible. Um, it's Co- it's Canyon again Booker T. Um, and the match isn't terrible. It really it really honestly. As far as the pay-per-view itself goes, it, it goes back to what's about to happen later. It's a way to get Booker on the pay-per-view. But in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't make any sense because these guys aren't feuding or anything. But And the match isn't bad. And Jeff Jarrett comes down with the guitar, etc., etc. But I want to get to a point here, and I don't know if this is going to make you, Aaron, or the listeners laugh or not. And it has nothing to do with this stupid, I'm mocking, I hate, okay, I'll start here. And this is going to be a minute, this is going to be a minute. I I think that Chris Canyon was a really good wrestler. Do you agree? He was. He was. Yes. He was a good performer, he was a good hand. I think that Chris Canyon served the purpose that, the same purpose that a guy, and, and Aaron, you can tell me if this makes sense to you or not, but Chris Canyon served the same purpose as a guy like a Tito Santana or a Sean Morley. He's never going to be your world champion. He could poss- yeah. he could possibly have a run with your secondary title or be a tag team champion, but he's never going to be a main eventer. But he's always going to be there to have a really good match on your show and good psychology and a good promo. He wasn't well, bad. I, okay, um, okay but- let, me put it, let me put it in like a... Um, a- Say we have a listener that's like 17, 18, or 20, okay? Right. As like a current product wrestler, what Chris Canyon would be would be like Damian Sandow. Yes. Or whatever he's yeah. himself now. Aaron, 
Aaron Stevens Aaron is Stevens. what he's calling himself yeah, now. Aaron Stevens. That would that would be Chris Canyon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, he's going to be the guy put out in the middle of the show. He's going to cut a promo, get a little heat, and you might get like a one or two week program out of him working with like a mid card or upper level baby face. Yes. And, and you know what? The, in professional wrestling, that is always needed. So Chris Canyon was a good, I, I never hated on Chris Canyon. I never, I never did. I always liked the guy, but, and this is, this is the point I'm getting to here. They had, and a, I loved who better than Kane? Oh, everybody. You just like, you that just, was shit. You just fucking set me up for my joke. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's good that you said that. Because when I was watching this match, I was watching the match and I was enjoying it. I actually enjoyed this match. I thought they had a good match. These two guys, Booker and at Canyon. I, I had no, I have nothing negative to say about it. To be honest with you. But while I was watching it, I was thinking about the who better than Canyon thing. And you know how Canyon, like, okay, he was from Jersey and he had, I don't know, a big tongue or whatever. So you know how we talk? You talk like, this, you know, kind of tongue kind of big. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know what it sounded to me when he said who better than Canyon? You know what it sounded like he said to me? <laughs> who buttered the Canyon? <laughs> Who buttered the canyon? <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. Who buttered the canyon? Who buttered the canyon? It was probably Jim Barnett or Pat Patterson. <laughs> oh, my boy. <laughs> but anyway, I give Canyon and Booker for their match. It was, it was a passable match. It was good. You got two good performers giving a good match. I have nothing negative to say about this match. Me neither. I gave it two stars. And then we have the United States champion, Big Pop Pump Scott Steiner. Aaron, did you see the meme I posted on the uh, Facebook group? Join our Facebook group, by the way, folks. The Big Papa Trump? Yes. Is that not fucking funny or what? That was fucking funny. That's weird. That was weird. <laughs> I loved it. But anyway, uh, just a big plug here. If you have not yet joined our Facebook group, the We Can't Wrestle Podcast Facebook group, do it. The wit. But anyway, we have Scott Steiner and Mike Awesome. And. Mike Other o- than the finish, this is going to be weird. Or you're not weird. But. Probably the biggest. Like. Shocker that you would say in this whole, like, you know review of this card you're gonna say the same thing i'm gonna say i think this was one of the most entertaining matches on the entire <laughs> yeah thing. this match was actually pretty good like and you know what's they fu- brawled through the crowd mike awesome does a fucking yeah. dive spot that's awesome you know what yeah, mike awesome it was just too big mike awesome is a really really underrated big guy wrestler yeah, like, I think like, it's because I wish Mike I wish Mike Awesome wouldn't have signed with WCW. Me too. I and I also think that it's because okay, I don't know if you're even gonna know what I'm trying to say here. Mike Awesome I don't I wish that nobody ever would have put a microphone in front of Mike Awesome's face. Well that because but like if he wouldn't have 
if he wouldn't have signed with WCW, okay, and I know what you're saying about his promo abilities, but if he wouldn't have signed with WCW and just stayed in ECW until they went out of business, he would have been, and I, I'm not saying he would have been like, you know, he wouldn't have got it, he would have got as high as this guy. High as this guy, that's funny. Because this guy gets really high a lot. <laughs> as high on the card as Rob Van Dam. But I think we would have thought a lot, or we would be speaking a lot differently about Mike Awesome now. No, I absolutely agree. Cause I think because he that, wouldn't have had that WCW stank on him. Yeah, I think that Mike Awesome, and this is not a Nike, a Nike this is not a knock on Mike Awesome, folks. I think that charisma-wise, size-wise, ability-wise, Mike Awesome is like, and I've always said this, I've always been a mark for this guy, bell to bell. Because Mike Awesome is, he's what you would envision that you would want Sid Vicious to be. That's what I was just going to say. He's Sid Vicious with talent. Yes. And I, I, the, the reason I said I wish that... It, you said promo ability, and I agree. But my thing is, to me, Mike Awesome's like face... like When he's cutting a promo or when he's doing a segment, his facials and his voice don't match his, 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 his body and his talent. If that makes sense. Like, the minute Mike Awesome opens his fucking voice, he's a goof. And it it's not his fault. It's the voice he was given. It's the vocal cords he was given. And then it was the material he was given. But, like, what killed Mike Awesome for me was the minute he opened his fucking mouth. Like, Mike Awesome to me is... is exactly. He's a talented Sid. You know, like, that guy is... is, is completely underrated and and it's a like shame if you take a Mike, it's a fucking shame if you take like a Mike Awesome and put him with like who do I want to say so like it, a Mike Awesome like a Jim Cornette I, I was about to say if we're talking 2000 you said if he never went to WCW and say he went to the WWF Okay. And so I was trying to think about like somebody that could be his mouthpiece in 2000. Jim Cornette kind of worked, kind of still worked there then. You know, he was an OVW, but anyway, he was still under contract to the WWE. If you would have put somebody like Jim Cornette or, um, even, you know, at the time you could have even blurred the lines because they did it with him all the time. Paul Bearer, you know? Um, anybody like that, any, any kind of a, especially like a, 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 exactly like Cornette or Paul Bear, like a, a pudgy Southern guy, you know, with Mike Awesome, like Heyman had the right idea with Jeff Jones. Like I always liked the Mike Awesome, Jeff Jones. Like I don't like, a, you guys that listen to the show know, I don't like a lot of ECW, but I like the Mike Awesome, Jeff Jones thing. Like that was the way to book Which Mike is Awesome. It's funny because Jeff Jones... Managed. Sid Vicious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go figure. <laughs> yeah. But, but, like, I'm trying to, like, think of somebody that's... 
2000 WWE or WWF. It's just even a wrestler that he could have worked with. I, I just, like I said, I, I think the biggest problem that Mike Austin faced was that he went to WCW when he did. Yep. I absolutely agree. The only thing I didn't like about this match was the end. And, no. And, and this is something. Oh, yeah, I didn't like the end. No, it's I gonna, didn't like the end. It's going to be the end because this is one of my rants about the shit. But anyway, go ahead. The only thing I didn't like about it, and then you can do your rant and I'm going to pee, is that in the match, and you might think I sound stupid, they looked like they were a tag team that broke up. (laughs) No, I can see that. (laughs) Because they both have black tights with red shit on the butt, and they're big. Yeah, and they're both muscular and all that. Like, like, Scott should have, like, wore his white and black tights or something. Yeah. Like, it looked like a tag team that, like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Cla- classic Russo booking. The finish of this match fucking stinks. And here's why. Because, in the grand scheme of things, my commissioner, the cat, is a heel, right? I think so. I Yeah, exactly. And, but Scott Steiner's a heel, but... Scott Steiner's most definitely a heel because Scott Steiner can't be a fucking babyface with that gimmick. But anyway, um, he's a heel and Cat's a heel, but Steiner's doing like shit like Stone Cold babyface shit, but it doesn't work. And it's just the the end of this thing where the Cat is threatening to strip the title from from Steiner, but. Steiner's the in the in the in the new blood, so it makes him a heel. It's just fucking stupid, and it, it's 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 counterproductive to anything you're trying to do. Anything you're. And trying then to Tony Schiavone, and then Tony Schiavone says, and I'm not saying he was stupid in saying this. He was scripted says, in saying this. Well, huh? He was scripted in saying this. Well, no, I think Schiavone was like legitimately confused he says well mike awesome's the united states champion now and as he says this the cat is running away with the united states championship and then mark madden and scott hudson are like i don't know tony i don't think he is we're not sure and there is no announcement whatsoever at the end of this match. No. The ma- like, there's no, oh, it was uh, no contest or anything. Really good match ended with garbage. Yes. And I, you know what? To be honest, um, post, post um, Steiner Brothers tag team, Rick Stein, or Scott Steiner, this might be one of Scott Steiner's better matches. Once he got all jacked up, is what I'm saying. You it's know what I mean? Like post better than that fucking Survivor Series match he had with Triple H. Oh yeah, you mean uh, Royal Rumble? Royal Rumble, sorry. But, well, no, that's okay. But uh, it's good that you forgot. Um, but <laughs> it's good for your brain. But no, I mean like after Big pa- after he became Big Papa Pump, Scott Steiner didn't have a lot of good matches. Like this one, I can think of this one and. He actually had a good match with Booker on the final Nitro. 
Like they had a decent yeah. match, but yeah, like this is this is one of the better Big Papa Pump Scott Steiner matches um, that I can recall. So the next thing on this uh, Bash at the Beach pay per view is hot fucking garbage. We yeah, have... Tony Schiavone says up next is the graveyard match. And then at that moment, I wished I was Mike Awesome right now. (laughs) That would be awesome. Um. Which means I wish I was dead. The the graveyard match, Vampiro and Dale Torborg, the demon, is, 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 if you want to know Vince Russo... As a professional wrestling booker slash writer, as he would call himself, this is what you got to watch because this is absolutely awful. And it's, I don't know how much I want to review of this from beginning to end, but I want to say one thing about this and, and you may or may not laugh at this, but I laughed at this because it was supposed to be serious, but it was fucking ridiculous, and that's 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 the 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 long and short of a Vince Russo booked angle or match. So this match is taking place in a graveyard, and Tony Schiavone has to say during this match, "He's in the tree." Yeah, that's what I was. That's what I was gonna say. <laughs> He's in the tree. My review is, this is fucking stupid. Vampiro is in a tree, and the demon, the demon says, oh my god. And no actual graveyard looks like this. (laughs) He doesn't say that, I'm saying this. That no actual graveyard looks like this. And honestly, do you know what the only entertaining thing about this match is? The terrible acting? No. The only entertaining thing about this entire match is Charles Robinson. Oh, he wants nothing to do with this. Yeah, like, when they're standing out there, like, at the beginning of it, he has his flashlight, and the demon looks at Asia and goes, Asia... I don't want you to come in here with me. And she's like, I want to go. And then the demon's like, Charles, look after Asia. And then Charles is like, well, who's going to look after me? <laughs> like, that's funny. And then fucking Vampiro, like, steals Asia. And they run away. After van after the demon was like taken out, and the demon who they keep calling Dale, Dale. <laughs> like like gets his footing and is like Charles, where'd he go? And he's like Dale, he took her that way. He's like, I'm going to go. And Robinson's like, I'm going to stay back. And he's like, never mind. 
I'm going to go with you, Dale. Like, Charles Robbins is the only entertaining thing about this match. Then there's this fucking shit in the lake, or... Like, yeah, they're in the what, lake. What cemetery and then the has fucking, a lake in it? And, and like, and the it look, it, it's almost like a golf course match. <laughs> and then the casket that they have is like, it's cheaply made. It, this fucking thing is terrible. It's fucking terrible. So other than Little Nate. I say fuck Vampiro, fuck Asia, and fuck Dale. It's negative 11 stars. Negative 11 yeps. Jeff Farmer. This match is fucking horrible. So we'll just move along to a match that I thought was uh, marginal at best. It's the French Fries, Shane Douglas, and Butt Bagwell. And, okay, so here's my biggest problem with this match. The match in and of itself is just your basic wrestling match. Like, the the, 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 the body of this match could have been a house show match, okay? The problem is... The, the best body in this match is Tori Wilson. The, 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 but her involvement is the, one of the problems with the match. And here's why I say that. Alright, so you have you have Tori and you're gonna do this swerve where she's gonna join the franchise and become his new cheerleader because I guess we have to do that again in his career. But so Tori slaps Shane Douglas. But the swerve is okay, the swerve, bro, is that she's she's not actually gonna be with Buff, she's gonna be with Shane. Well, she gives Buff a low blow. And at this point, I'm willing to accept it. But Shane hits the Pittsburgh plunge, which is his finisher, after Tori gives Buff the betraying low blow. And that's not the end of the fucking match. No, I agree. That should have been. It's... it's, if they would have done it that way, I would have been willing to accept it because the match was marginal. It wasn't fucking horrible. You know what I mean? It wasn't like a match where I'm like, God, this is a fucking shit show. The match in and of itself was fine. It wasn't great, but it was fine. But that should have been the finish. So then they stretch it out for another five fucking minutes. And then Shane does this horrible finisher. Like, the, the, the announcers play it up like, oh, I've never seen that move before. The reason you've never seen that move before is it's fucking stupid. And and then we get our finish. So you, 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 gave, me, you gave me my fucking amazing steak as my entree to end my dinner, and then you gave me a fucking blueberry as my dessert. This was a terrible... It, it was made a terrible match by its... Elongated, terrible finish. I I agree. It was a bad match. I can't hate it though. Because of Tori. Yeah. <laughs> so now she's she, she's my like you know like how do I want to say it like. My um, pervy internet guy chick. <laughs> so for, like for me, I would equate that to Scarlett Johansson as a redhead. 
Oh, man. Like, you went outside of wrestling now. You went <laughs> Scarlett Johansson. I, 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 so, yes, anyway. If we're going to go outside of wrestling, I gotta, I, I'd have to think about that. But, yeah, like, in wrestling, anytime Tori Wilson's on TV, I'm not going to fast-forward it. Even if it's shitty. Even if it's shitty. I'm like, there's Tori Wilson. So now we get to the, uh, you know. She's never been in prison like your girl. We we get to the meat and potatoes of this fucking (laughs) shit. We're about to get to, we're, we're getting to the next, the next level of my rant here. So now we have a video package highlighting the feud, or lack thereof, between Jeff Jarrett and Hulk Hogan. This match we've been building to all night in the completely the wrong way. So they play Jeff Jarrett's music and he doesn't come out. This goes on forever. Forever. And it's made even worse by the WWE Network with their version of Jeff Jarrett's music. Um... And then, I mean, he finally comes out. This still comes out first. But Russo um, shuffles out first like my son, like my 17-year-old son when I tell him I won't give him 50 bucks for a fucking video game. Um, And then Jarrett comes out. And guess what? Nobody's fucking reacting. And then Hogan comes out. And guess what? People are actually reacting to Hogan. People fucking react. And once once Hogan gets in the ring, Jarrett exits the ring and goes up to the top of the ramp and stands there like a bitch. And um, Hogan cuts a promo, um, thinking he's just cutting a promo. Or maybe not. I don't know. Like... The, the whole thing about this is I think that um, I, I almost I, because of the fact that and, and we're, we're going to this is going to be a minute, but I'm just starting this out with my thoughts because of the fact that Hulk Hogan actually hired a lawyer, paid a lawyer, sued WCW, sued Vince Russo. I really do think that and it, for the, <laughs> maybe one of the only times in wrestling Hulk Hogan's story of the side of this is probably accurate. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't think Hogan's embellishing when he tells his side of the story because I don't, I really don't think Hulk Hogan would have spent all that money to sue WCW and Vince Rousseau if this, this side of his story, this side of the story, his side of the story wasn't at least what he thought was the truth. But anyway, now we get to the, 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 the meat and potatoes and what's going to be a gigantic rant for me. Um, throughout this show, Hulk Hogan or Hulk Hogan's been supposedly not in the building. Jeff Jarrett's been bitching and, and completely being not a heel that his opponent hasn't shown up yet. Jarrett lays down in the ring. He gets in the ring. He lays down in the ring once the match starts. Hogan says... Essentially, Russo, if it wasn't bullshit like this, this company wouldn't be in the state it's in right now. So now, 
essentially what you've done is you've watched uh, an hour and 49 minutes of a wrestling show. That has now been discounted completely. All of your investment in any of these storylines is now essentially worthless. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry that you spent this money. I'm sorry that you watched uh, Booker T and Canyon wrestle for a winner because that wasn't true. Um, I'm sorry that Juventud Guerrero and Chavo Guerrero wrestled for a cruiserweight championship. That I mean, it really didn't matter anyway. Because and let and let and let me say, go ahead. Sorry, I, it was all predetermined. Um, I'm sorry that you sat through that fucking uh, Buff Bagwell franchise thing, because, I mean, really, we just wrote all of that. So, I mean, if you were looking at that as an athletic competition, uh, I, I apologize that you sat through all of this fucking shit that you paid fucking $50 for, for Hulk Hogan and Jeff Jarrett and Vince Russo to let you know that it was all a bunch of fucking bullshit, and none of those titles mattered, and none of those rivalries mattered. And, and the fact that franchise stuff, uh, stuff, <laughs> stuffed, buffs, girl, mattered, none of that matters because it's all fucking fake anyway. It's a shoot, bro. Yeah. I hate, and let me I say fucking this. hate work shoots. They're the worst thing ever as a wrestling fan. They're bullshit. And I, and I agree. I know. But let yelling. me say I'm this. Sorry. Well, hang on. Am I hanging on? Oh, no. Go ahead. <clears throat> Looking at... like, And even when I saw this in 2000, okay? Mm -hmm. I thought it was one of the dumbest things that I ever saw. But now, 19 years or so later, if you look at Hulk Hogan, you can tell in the guy's face that he knows... This is fucking horse shit. <laughs> this is fucking horse shit, and this is fucking terrible. And you can, and all day long, and, all day long, any Hogan haters, and and at times I am too, for certain things. At any Hogan haters, Hulk Hogan behind the scenes may have played politics. Hulk Hogan behind the scenes may have used his his name power and his stroke. To get himself a title around his waist. But you know what? He never came out there and make, made it look like any of that was fake. So yeah. he, he had enough fucking respect for the business. Whether you, you know, your, your Wade Kellers and your Dave Meltzers and whatever want to say he was a cartoon wrestler. And blah, 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 blah. And what we know about him now being kind of a racist piece of shit. As far as the business goes, he never fucked the business. Did he want to lose to Yokozuna at King of the Ring? No. Probably not. But he still went out there and did it. He didn't want to lose to Ultimate and Warrior at WrestleMania Six. But, but he still went out there and did it to did the it. best of his ability. Yes, and he, that's what I was going to say. He did it, and he did it with fucking class. And Mark Madden said something... That fucking pissed me off. Well, there's a lot. He's, that, oh God, there's a lot that pisses me off here. <laughs> Mark Madden said, they're deviating from the script. 
So I... fuck him and his fat, unwipable ass. <laughs> and and that's and then that's exactly my point. That's exactly. And then my Scott point. Hudson. And then Scott Hudson said something. And like I said, I like Scott Hudson. He said that wasn't brought up in the production meeting. That isn't on the format. So fuck him. I gave this thing negative 87 stars. It is... uh, You know, it's funny because I went on this rant a minute ago and I said, well, you can forget about the, the, the Cruiserweight Championship match that started this show because this just proved that that was all fake. You know what? You can go all the way back. You can figure, you fucking forget about Flair and Race in 1983 at Starcade, because that was all a work, bro. That was all. That was all a work. It's. I hate worked shoots, and, and, and I'll clarify that statement because there is a such thing as a shoot, and then there is a worked shoot. Okay. Here's what I'm saying. The pipe bomb promo, and this is where Vince McMahon should get credit. Should get credit for all the people that shit on Vince for making it quote-unquote sports entertainment. Through the Attitude Era, through the pipe bomb promo, Vince McMahon, other than... Okay, alright. Outside of his program outside of that two hours where we as wrestling fans who aren't fucking stupid and know it's a show and suspend belief yes Vince has said oh we're, we're making movies pal but in that two hours has Vince ever done anything to say this is fake no. Even the CM Punk pipe bomb promo. If you listen to that promo, it is perfectly crafted. You know what I mean? CM Punk yeah. never at one time during that promo claims anything is fake. What CM Punk says is, Vince, the opportunities were given to your son-in-law. The opportunities were given to John Cena. He makes it very clear this is still a sport. This is still an athletic competition. But you gave more title shots to John Cena. He never. Or even like when Joe. He, he, or even like when. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. He, he never said. Or even like he when, never said uh, Vince, you scripted Cena to go over me four times. You piece of shit. Or even like when like Joey went out there and cut his promo, you know. About Yeah, he was essentially like, well, Vince, you had four talented athletes who can win, or six talented athletes who can win matches and, and fight on their own, but you make them go out there and act like cheerleaders before they wrestle. Yeah, or you, like, bury them in the card, or this, that, or the other thing. It's like, that's a believable thing. Yes, you know? you, they never like, say like, you make them lose. Yeah, like it, like <clears throat> how do I, how do I want to say it? Like, say you wanted to take Jeff Jarrett and you portrayed him as 
this star in the making than say, you know, Vince McMahon or this person or that, whoever the promoter is, buried this guy, not in a storyline, but buried him in the fact that, you know, you, you don't let him get any further than what he is because you've, you've stifled him in matches. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. You didn't take, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to use as, a, as an example just for this, this experiment. Aaron, as, as a promoter, you knew that even though he was smaller, Rey Mysterio could beat your bigger athletes. He had more talent than they did. So you didn't give him those, those opportunities against those guys to be the number one contender. You know what I mean? That's yeah. That's instead of saying Aaron, as the promoter, you looked at Rey Mysterio as as smaller, so you only put it in the script that he would be the Intercontinental Champion, never the World Champion. It there's a there's a fine thin razor line, and Vince Rousseau pissed on that fucking line on this night and he killed WCW on this night like he killed yeah this is this is this pay-per-view is the death of WCW yes because after this nothing me nothing means anything well I'm just saying after this after this Hogan lays down and Hogan's like shit like this is why everything's fucked up Vampiro comes out. And he winds up being put into a casket by a bunch of different stings. And we're supposed to pretend now (laughs) that this means a goddamn thing. (laughs) And that Sting really disappeared. And then me and Gene tries to interview Goldberg. And I have a note for this. Because actually I have uh, Vampiro Returns, but it, it, listen, literally. Vampiro Returns, Sting Returns, but it doesn't mean anything because this is all fake. And then my next, yeah. my next note is, because this is all fake, heal Goldberg is a fucking stupid idea. Yeah. Bill Goldberg should never, in any cons, in any time, in any place, in any, his character cannot be a heel, or it doesn't work, because Bill Goldberg, and it's the same way I feel about, even though I don't like him, or I, I don't want to say I don't like him, I don't want to disrespect the guy. He's a badass. Well, no, that's what I'm saying. Even though that that. You know, okay, you know I'm not a big fan of, of either heel or babyface. I'm just not a big fan of Shamrock, right? Yeah. I'm not a fan of Shamrock, but I'm definitely not a fan of Shamrock as a heel. Because Shamrock's a badass. Yes, and and Shamrock, much like Goldberg, is... I don't want to watch him be a bad guy. It's, it's boring and it's lame. I want to watch Goldberg be a 
be a badass fucking baby face that if you're going to beat him, you have to beat him. I guess Nash was better than Russo. You have to beat him with your buddy and a fucking taser. That's how you beat him. Um, I'm not saying that's the right thing to do, but I'm just making a point. You beat Goldberg with unsurmounting odds like Hogan. Yeah. As a baby face. Hogan worked as a heel in a different way, and that could be a whole other two-hour show. But Goldberg as a heel is fucking garbage, and it's stupid, and that's what I wrote here. So now we come to... The other reason Goldberg shouldn't be a heel, and the other reason that Ken Shamrock shouldn't be a heel, is because guess what? Or guess why? Neither one of them can cut a promo. <laughs> True. <laughs> and if you're really, really good at face, you don't have to cut a promo. You can just be a badass. Yeah, lay, or accentuate wa- lay waste to motherfuckers. Yeah. Like, you don't have to cut a good promo to be a good face. But you have to be able to cut a really good promo to be a really great heel. Yes. And that makes why, sense. And no, it makes total sense because that's what I was about to say. That's kind of the point I was getting to, and again, it's something that we could spend, like, hours on. That's why Shamrock and Goldberg could not be effective heels, even though they were dominant babyfaces. But Hogan could be an effective heel, even though he was a dominant babyface. Because you can again, this is a lot of praise for Hogan in this show, and that's fine with me, whatever. Hulk Hogan could be an effective heel... Because he could cut a heat-seeking fucking promo. Yeah. Hulk Hogan could go out there with his tan and his fucking bandana and his fucking black tights and his NWO spray-painted WCW title and fucking kill on a heel promo. Goldberg fucking sucked as a heel promo. And that's not saying Goldberg sucked. He sucked as a heel. As did Shamrock. See, there's a reason that um, even if, like, let's look at it like an 80s wrestler, okay? Even if he would have never had his accident, like, Magnum TA would have never been a good heel. No. Because he would have not been able to, in my opinion, cut, cut a great promo. Yeah. I feel that way about a few guys. Like, um, exa- beautiful point in Magnum, um, Carrie Von Erich. Yeah. Ricky Steamboat. There's a re. Yeah, Ricky Steamboat. There's I- a reason the Rock and Roll Express never turned. There's a reason they never should have turned Rey Mysterio. Yeah. I mean, they did turn Ricky Morton, but when Ricky Morton was a heel, it sucked. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, 
when he joined the York Foundation or whatever, his matches were still fantastic. But he's out there cutting a heel promo, baby. And, and Ricky Morton as a heel sucked ass <laughs> because he, he didn't... He... Uh, he didn't have oh, a, go ahead. You have to have a heel presence. Yes. And Goldberg shouldn't have been a fucking heel. Never. He should have never lost either. That's that's another conversation for another day. So now... So now this, this terrible Goldberg heel promo happens. And then fuckface Russo is back. <laughs> and I have, I have a thing in parentheses here. And it's going to lead to a bigger rant. My 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 note exactly says Russo promo and then in parentheses or in um not parentheses but uh, whatever it says creative control. Again, you are destroying. I mean, this is the year two thousand, so you're destroying a hundred years of professional wrestling in one fucking promo. You fucking idiot. You cannot come out during your two hours or three hours of... You can come out on a Tuesday at 2 p.m. I'm cool with it. Tuesday, 2 p.m., investor conference call and say our brand of entertainment, etc., etc. But during that three-hour pay-per-view, don't tell me there's creative control. Don't tell me Hulk Hogan didn't want to lay down. That's like watching Braveheart. In the middle of it, Mel Gibson goes, Well, nobody actually died in this movie. We're all just actors. It's shitting on everything as a wrestling fan that I believe in. Vince Rousseau is a piece of fucking shit. I'm sorry. He's a piece of shit. And he, he, you know, in the promos or whatever, he tries to air like the one that you, Rick, Rick Flair's a piece of shit on the bottom of my shoe. I wish Rick Flair would have crushed your fucking dome under his fucking shoe. I, just, it's the best part about, or not the best part, the fun, one of the funniest things about it is how he goes out there and he tries to get like fan reaction because he goes this, he goes, Three weeks ago, count that. Three <laughs> weeks ago, I went home. I left the WCW. And now, three weeks later, I came back. Ooh, not for, <laughs> not for, not for. WCW executives but for the guys in the back the whose business I'm ruining by the way <laughs> the the lieutenant locos and the book of T's and nobody reacts the lieutenant locos <laughs> nobody reacts the animals Nobody reacts. 
the MIA. <laughs> Nobody reacts. And I'm going to say this. I like the filthy animals. That's Conan, who's entertaining as fuck. Yeah. Eddie Guerrero, who's entertaining as fuck. Billy Kidman, who is a phenomenal professional wrestler. The MIA. Nate, you know this. I'm a Bill DeMont fan. I love none, Bill DeMont. None of the... Okay. And I like all these guys too, but you know what? None of them would have said any of this. Yeah. So he's saying all this shit. And then he goes, The Book of these," And nobody reacts. And then he goes off to say, And you know what? You're never gonna see Hulk Hogan... And then a ray pops. Because he said the name Hulk Hogan. The only fucking person that had any goddamn reaction when he came out in this entire fucking show was... Hulk Hogan. <laughs> Hulk fucking Hogan. <sighs> this promo... And the aftermath of it is the end, well, almost, the end of my rant. The only goddamn person that had any fucking reaction on this entire fucking show, positive or negative, was Hulk Hogan. I, I disagree with that. I think the only two people that had a, a, a good reaction, positive or negative, on this show... And, and they're both no thanks to Vince Russo, are Hulk Hogan and Booker T. Okay, yeah, now, I'll, now, I'm going to give you that in a minute. Now, I'm going to give you that in a minute. Now, Russo will take credit for the fact that Booker T got credit, or got adulation on this show, but that's not the case. But what That happened, was because it was a WCW crowd that had been watching Booker T for like six years. Yes, and that's part of my rant. Russo actually took away something from the end of this show by doing his stupid fucking angle, his stupid work shoot. He took away from it because, okay, I was, I was, <coughs> excuse me, I was... Okay, before you do this, can we skip past the fucking Goldberg-Kevin Nash match? Okay, we can. Let me do one thing on that. We There really isn't anything to talk about the match because it was garbage. Um... The, the the problem I have, the biggest problem I have with Goldberg and Nash, other than the fact that I really don't want to watch it, is that, okay, and, and Aaron, you and I are the, both the same kind of wrestling fan. I, I'm, I'm saying for, you know, you okay, you love Scott Hall, right? Hey, yo. Yeah. As a fan, you love Scott Hall, and you want him to come back. And, and, and for the past, like, four or five months or what the fuck ever, it's Vince Russo, for, for so probably four or five hours, whatever, it's a Russo angle. I've had Goldberg holding Scott Hall's contract in my pocket, and I'm saying, at the end of this long, drawn-out feud, if, 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 if Kevin Nash doesn't beat Goldberg, then Scott Hall can't work here, and I've got his contract, and blah, blah, blah. What's the logical ending to this impassioned storyline. I don't know. Maybe the babyface fucking wins. 
No, that's not what we get here. We get Goldberg winning and tearing up Scott Hall's contract in Kevin Nash's face, and it's fucking stupid, and it's not the way you tell a wrestling storyline, and it was all garbage, and it was all fucking to shit on your face as a wrestling fan from the beginning. Fuck it. Like you said, fuck it. I just wanted to go on that little fucking rant there for a minute, because... And don't forget, don't forget... Like, should not fucking Nash have won this? And don't forget... The baddest ass, the baddest ass looking guy you have in your company needs somebody to help you win. Who shouldn't be a heel in the fucking first place? Yeah. Everything. (laughs) This pay per view. Everything is wrong with this pay per view. (laughs) So then Booker T has an amazing match with Jarrett. They got a walk and brawl. They got a. He does everything he should do. Booker T's the fucking man. Anybody hates on Booker T can go fuck themselves. I don't. You know what I mean? I like. I'm a mark for Booker. Yeah. Okay. Oh, like, oh Booker's not a good color man. Yeah. Fuck you. He's entertaining. <laughs> He's. He was a. Shuck it. Okay. Quack. Quack. He was a great wrestler. He's a fantastic entertainer. He has a a, a, a ton of charisma. People that don't, the people that hate on Booker T to me can go piss up a fucking rope, as Jim Cornette would say. I, I would listen to Booker T commentate a four-hour pay-per-view before I would listen to fucking Mark Madden's fat. Hey. Goddamn. Jowls. <laughs> like hippopotamus fucking fat ass say I, anything. I would listen to Booker T commentate a four hour pay-per-view before I'd listen to that fucking masked fucking jack off Excalibur. I don't like him. So anyway. I, I don't What? That's okay. I you said know. I don't I don't when I don't see his his like No, I don't like his, I don't like his commentary. I don't like his commentary. I think his commentary's bland. <laughs> At least Booker makes me smile. Excalibur makes me go, all right, you're useless here. I have Tony Schiavone and Jim Ross. What the fuck do I need you here for? But anyway, that's beside the point. <laughs> I, I, we got off the point. We're talking Cody about- Rhodes should do... Oh, you know what Cody Rhodes should do? What? He should, like... Like, um, Tinder Mike Tanay. Let's see if they match up. Or I don't know what Mike Tanay's, like, sexual preferences is, are, but, like, get on Grinder and be like, Mike Tanay. And, like, maybe they'd meet in, like, an alley and then he could be like, hey, I got this fucking Excalibur. I don't want, I don't like him anymore. And like Mike today might think, Oh, there's a, there's a handsome looking fella in an alley that wants to meet me. And then it's Cody Rhodes. And he goes, Hey, no, I don't want butt stuff. I don't want butt stuff. I just want you to analyze my pay-per-views. And then the commentating team would be Tony Schiavone, Jim Ross, and Mike today. That would be a great commentating team, right? Maybe. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, because, like, 
Do you not like Mike Tanay? No, 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 no. I'm not saying that, but I'm like, I'm saying like that's like putting Jim Ross, Gordon Soley, and like Gene Okerlund or Bobby Heenan in the same. Like who who leads? Like you're stepping. You're like there's a lot of toes to fucking step on. <laughs> Jim Ross leads. Tony's the color, because if you listen to Tony Schiavone... Oh, yeah, Tony's a good color. He's, he, and? And? That he's actually, fucking fun. I'm sorry, yeah. and I know you were you were kind of coming to his defense at there at the beginning when I went on that rant, but that Excalibur, that Excalibur guy is fucking useless. He's okay, useless. Well, okay, well, okay. I mean, that show's kind of wearing on me anyway. Does every match have to be 14 minutes long? Like, uh, uh, I'm not going to talk about, I'm saying just well, now. Okay, okay, Booker and Jarrett was good. We're done with Bash of the Beach. Let me say my well, piece. I'm not done. I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell my um, little blurb that I have about it. Well, you do I'm that. saying this. Do that now. Okay. This is one of the worst pay-per-views I've ever seen. But that match Horrible. was good. Stop. You asked me to say this is one of the worst pay-per-views I've ever seen. Horrible creative. Horrible play-by-play. Horrible crowd. Except for Hulk Hogan and Booker T. This is possibly the worst major pay-per-view I've ever watched. Fuck everybody involved. Dot, dot, dot. Except (laughs) Hulk Hogan and Booker T. It sucked ass. It was bad. Bash at the Beach is uh, Butt at the Beach 2000. Now, I'm going to spend two minutes ranting. And then we're going to take a break and then we'll get into our uh, musical conversation. Because the, I mean, the podcast is called We Can't Wrestle, so it doesn't always have to be about wrestling. Anyway... AEW, six weeks in, honest to God, and I'm, I am not trying to be a hater. I am really not. I love wrestling, and AEW has some good wrestling on it. It really does. And that's the reason why on our, on our Facebook group and on other wrestling groups, I really, honest to God, I post a lot about NXT and NWA, because... I don't. I, I'm not the guy that's gonna go on there and say AEW is a butt. Blah, 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 blah. I'm not a troll. I don't care. If somebody likes AEW, more power to them. I love them. If they come at me with an AEW comment, I'm gonna I'm gonna reply. You know what I mean, Aaron? Yeah. But I'm not gonna bring it up to be a fucking douche. You know what somebody likes is what they like. I don't I don't shit on what other people like. But this is my podcast, so I'll say I can shit on it here. It's my show. It's my forum. AEW has jumped the shark six weeks in. And here's why I say that. A couple of reasons. First of all, again, I think that Excalibur guy could just go away. Secondly, every every match is like the same time. Like, if I have a match... This week, Pac versus Trent had the same amount of time given to it as the main event. Why does everybody have to have a 14-minute goddamn match? I know that you want to show off your little high spots, and I know you want to show off your moves, and it's cute. 
But this is not the way to get people like me to... You're trying to gab... You're trying to... Uh, what do I want to say? You're trying to grab lapsed fans who who, who who are kind of bored with the WWE format, right? Is that the point of this? Because if that's the point of this, you're not doing it the right way. And I promise you this, if AEW keeps booking their show... and, and Okay, I'm going to put in here, between two parentheses, Cody Rhodes' promo this week on this show was the best promo of 2019. I'm not saying this show does bad things. That 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 fucking uh, concession stand brawl two weeks ago that was amazing. This show has its highlights, but it has not done enough for me to hook me into saying I'm going to watch this show from beginning to end every week going forward. Hook me. I don't care about Pac and Trent for 14 minutes. I care about Pac and Trent for four and a half minutes. That Dark Order thing, that's indie bullshit that needs to be off your fucking show. AEW is, is, is playing a fine line, and, and, and they're doing it, and, and I hope they succeed. I really, honest to God, do. But they're trying to, to take lapsed fans, like me, who are 40 years older, because you're 25-year-old guys, whatever, whatever. Your basement crowd isn't going to support you. And, and, and the reason I say that is Ring of Honor. Because look at where they're at right now. Your fucking basement guys aren't going to fucking support you. You need to gather every single age group you can. And if you're trying to bring in your lapsed fans, I'm telling you, 40, 40 minutes of your two-hour program is not going to cut the fucking mustard. So anyway, what, what was I saying? Bash at the Beach 2000 fuck. <laughs> I give Bash at the Beach 2000 uh, half a Jet Farmer, yep, but five Excaliburs. Because that guy's fucking stupid. And Bash at the okay. Beach 2000 was fucking stupid. But you can't tell me that fantasy booking... Jim Ross, Tony Schiavone, and Mike Tanay wouldn't be like the best oh, commentating crew would, ever. It, brother, it would be the fucking shit. As long as everybody has a, and those guys are all professional enough where everybody have a divine, defined role. That would, How would they not be? Yes, sir. That would be a badass commentary team. Every single one of those people would know exactly what I, to do. I actually, like, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Alright, so that being said... One of my favorite interactions of all time are Mike Tanay and Bobby Heenan. Five bucks. Mike Tanay and TNA. It was <laughs> like, Hey, Bobby. It's been a while. And Bobby was like, Hey, Mike. You got, got, you five, got five bucks? You got five bucks? <laughs> Good stuff. You got five bucks? <laughs> Alright, that being said, a great quote by the brain. We're going to take a break, and when we return, we are going to debate some music here on the We Can't Wrestle podcast, because Aaron and I have both decided, and again, like I said earlier, it is uh, 
we we decided that our generation, quote unquote, is uh, loosely 1985 to 2000, as far as our generation of music goes. We are going to talk about what are our favorite top 10 musical artists slash bands of that era. And that's going to come up right after this on the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Welcome back to the second part of the We Can't Wrestle podcast for this week. Nate and Aaron here with you, the brothers Maxon. And uh, I just want to say before we start this uh, next segment, if you so you have, don't want me in your yard either. If you, if you <laughs> the during the break conversations, that if you have not already, please do join our Facebook group. Um, I enjoy each and every one of our listeners and your feedback. I want to hear what you think about the show. When I post things about the show, when I post memes, whatever it is. I want your feedback. I want your reaction. I want to interact with our listeners because you folks are the reason that our show exists. You're the reason we do the show. Um, and just just join the join the group. Join the We Can't Wrestle Facebook group. Just go into your Facebook, search groups, search we, the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Join the group. Give us your feedback. Uh, before each show, I try to do a, a fan interaction um, to see if we can get some of your feedback. I know Aaron did one tonight, and Ashley J. Smith responded with, uh, why, what was it? Why was it so bad about the WCW bash at the beach? And I think we clarified well, why it was so I'm bad. I'm assuming that's what he was asking. He might have been, like, a fucking Michael J. Fox and went, like, in the future... <laughs> And then came back and was asking about the show. But either way, we we enjoy <laughs> we enjoy your involvement in the show. I know there are people like Ryan Damon, um, um, James Winter, uh, Chris Wood, who interact with the show, and we really appreciate it. And and if you do, I'm going to mention your name, and we're going to talk about you. So. Uh, please do, again, join the We Can't Wrestle podcast group if you have not yet done so. Um, easy to join, and um, I don't try to flood your uh, your timeline with shit, but if I think something's funny, like the Big Papa Trump thing, I'm going to post it. So anyway, our next topic, which is going to bring, bring up, I, I assume, a ton of fucking debate, uh, especially knowing me and my brother and... Uh, and we, we, we like some of the same music. We differ on some forms of music, so this should be fun. We we decided to do the top ten, what our personal top ten favorite artists slash bands are of our generation. So this narrows it down. Um, we, we decided that, you know, for our formative years, our generation is probably 1985 to, ni- to the year 2000, which, you know, I was thinking for me that, that, that cuts out Queen, that cuts out Fleetwood Mac, that cuts out Credence, because they were all before. Uh, that cuts out Evanescence, who is one of my favorite bands. That cuts out after. Um, but, so we're just talking about that 15 years one day we'll do our top of all time, but that'll be a bigger list, and we'll try to get Kyle in there too. 
But anyway, so Aaron, 85 to 2,000. You think that's fair, right? Yeah. So I'm going to let you start, my brother. And, so am uh, I just going to... Let me and, ask this. And, am I just going to slam through my top 10? No, let's go... Let's go, like... Let's we're going to bounce back and forth. Yeah, let's go one for one. And... um. If you have any honorable mentions, you can throw them in because I'm probably going to just during the conversation. Like I'm not. I don't have any honorable mentions. You don't. I don't. Okay. See, I I do I do I do have a couple because like if I'm narrowing it down to ten, it's really hard. Like I I had a hard time making this list because I'm like oh I'm going to take this one off I'm going to take put this one on, um but. Go ahead with your number 10. Uh, 85 to 2,000, our generation. Uh, again, 36, only, 37 to 41 years old. The only preference I'll put on this is they're not in any particular order. Mine kind of sort of are. Okay, like it's like not, this is my absolute number one favorite band. I would say okay? no. Number number two and number one are definitely my second and first favorite bands, but of all time. And I have two. I, I and where you talked about your honorable mentions, I put two in here that I could take off of that top ten and maybe make them eleven and twelve. Okay, that's what I did because I'm a sneaky guy, <laughs> like Master Fuji. Yes. Oh, so sneaky. So the first band that I'll mention is Run DMC. I like Run DMC. I, I mean, like Run DMC. I mean, I mean, more than like Run DMC. They're not on my list, obviously. But like I said, you debate this shit because you've got to pick ten. But um, my Adidas would say that Run DMC is fucking yes. amazing. Kings of Rock, it's the best. Well, no, I shouldn't say the best, but I really like Run DMC, and there's not a lot of rap groups that you could put ahead of them. Um, and and talk about you know, like with the Sugar Hill Gang, talk about bringing hip hop into like pushing hip hop, starting that that. That push into the mainstream, you know? Yeah. Which, Sugar Hill Gang was like a fake rap group. Yeah. Like, like they were put together. Like, Run DMC was an actual DJ run. And, it, like, they, they were like a legit group. And mm -hmm. I just, I really love them. I do, too. I can't dispute that one at all. Um, anything else on those guys? Nope. So, number 10 on my list, and again, this is one of the ones that, like, they're, uh, they're most definitely in my top, like, 15 to 20. And this is one of the debating points. Like, I, I, I had a really hard time making this list, to be honest with you. Uh, with just 10. Like, we could have done a whole episode with 50, and I'd have been like, yeah, I'm kosher. But anyway, number 10 that I'm going to put on the list, because... You were kosher with it? Be, oy, um, Was it Julie's crew? <laughs> like, Gavald. Oh, it's so humid. Oh, oh it's so humid. 
Remember that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> God damn it. <clears throat> um, but these guys I'm putting on the list because I'm putting on my top ten at this very moment, I guess, for this time period. Just music that that not only um, influences me, not only makes me fucking like they have songs that make me that make me frown in the good way that music you know what I mean in the good way that music makes you frown like this is sad or music that makes me fucking bop or music that makes me bop and frown because the, the the beat is up tempo but the the lyrics are sad um, and I'm gonna say I'm gonna, I'm gonna mention what my favorite song for most of these artists is too but the band that I put at number 10 was the talking heads. I didn't even think about. I mean, I really liked Talking Heads. And and, and my favorite, my favorite, honestly, my favorite personal Talking Heads song is is She Was. I love that song. Like, yeah, it's 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 one of those songs that's like if you listen, okay, it's upbeat and it makes you want to, you know, like you know, you bob your head to the song, but then you listen to the lyrics and it's like, wow, this is really fucking sad. And it's just it, it's music that touches me. And I mean, there's so many other songs uh, that we could delve into, but I, I had to put them in my top ten, making this list because because a lot of their music fucking touches me, you know, and that's what music's yeah. about. Radiohead's a good song. People oh, like God. us. Yeah. Um, burning down the house. Um, there, there's a so many great Talking Head songs. I. I could do an entire show about the Talking Heads. Oh yeah, me too. Yeah, but just I mean, again, just different. Um, like those guys can do like I. The reason that they they kind of edged into the top top ten is like there's not many bands that can do on the same album like track to track. Like they can have a really melancholy song. And then they they can have a song where you're like, yeah, this is funky. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, this is fucking badass. So, David Burns, fantastic. Yes, yes. And and I think that. Um, Do you ever uh, watch True Stories? Oh yeah, number of times. True Stories is a fantastic movie. It is. <laughs> As a matter of fact, True Stories is, and you, it sounds like. By you saying me, you asking me, have you ever seen True Stories? You don't realize this, I guess, but when you were when you were smaller, um, you and I used it, well. You used to watch it with me, and I would watch it on on the old Comedy Central. And at that time, Comedy Central was actually called Ha. Oh yeah, I remember Ha. Back in the day, like so, yeah. I mean that movie. Not David Byrne wearing his big cowboy hat while he's driving the car <laughs> and he's got the steering wheel in his hand and it's just like moving oh it's fantastic but yeah like you it's said we, we could spend a whole show on their music library um, you we could know, spend a whole show on John Goodman being fucking amazing in that goddamn movie you know what's funny this is one that I'm gonna uh I gotta, you know, I gotta, you know, I gotta, 
You know I gotta you know I gotta make a Motley Soup reference on every episode of the show. Motley Soup, the other podcast that I host with my beautiful wife, Kendall. I've never been on it. I don't know. Um, but so anyway, regardless of the podcast, Aaron obviously knows his sister-in-law, Kendall. Um, she doesn't. Other than a few tunes, like she does not like that's the Talking Heads is not her cup of tea. <laughs> So, uh, Talking Heads is one of those bands Nate listens to by himself. But anyway, what is your number nine on this list, my brother? Um, and like I said, these are just ten bands that I wrote down. I didn't research or anything. I just wrote down ten bands. I really did. I was just like, bah, bah, bah. these are ten bands or musicians that popped out to me. That you really love. Um, Huh? That you really love. Yeah. It would be um, the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Good pill. Good pull. I like the Chili Papas. Um, I, Blood Sex Magic is a formative album for me because um, that album came out in 91. And for me... At that time, you know, like before you're like 13 or 14, it's like pop music is cool, you know? Yeah. So before 13 or 14, like, I don't know how to, I don't know how to do that. I don't want to just, I don't even want to degrade the pop artists because pop music serves its purpose. Like a lot of people want to shit on it and everything, but you know what? You know what? Fuck off. It serves its purpose. Fucking nine to 13 year old kids like pop music that's that's what that's who it's made for it's like they say uh new music is made for young people um i have a 20 year old daughter and a 17 year old son and their music does not appeal to me and that's okay but anyway my point was one of the first albums after I got over my fucking Milli Vanilli, New Kids on the Block shit, when I was a young, I'll just scratch them off my list. <laughs> when I was a when I was a preteen, one of the few, one of the first albums I discovered that was a real good rock album was Blood Sugar Sex Magic by the Chili Peppers. Like they are, they one are of the first songs. One of the first songs. That my little brain memorized and knew all the words to. That wasn't something that, like, yeah, that wasn't something that, like, mom and dad played was Under the Bridge. Yeah. I know all the words to Under the Bridge. And don't you fucking feel old knowing how old that song is? (laughs) Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't know all the words to give it away now, but I don't even think Anthony Kiedis does. But I know all the words under the bridge. Yes. And you know what? The Chili Peppers never made... They never... They never made bad music. No, no, absolutely not. They never made... They might have made music that... They might have made songs or some songs that... Or even some albums that I was like, eh, for a Chili Peppers album. You know what I mean? This ain't that great. But overall... For a musical album, this is really good. Like, yeah, you're right. They never made bad music. And, um, I mean, <laughs> I guess we were all just accepting a flea's diaper. But, 
Yeah. Flea has one of the greatest lines in movie history. <laughs> I know where you're You know going. what it is? Yeah, it's from True Romance. No, it's not. Hmm. One of the greatest lines in movie history is Flea is a tattoo artist in the movie Son-in-Law, starring Polly Shore. <laughs> He's a tattoo artist, and the girl in Son-in-Law has left the farm and gone to a big city college and goes into the, ta- the tattoo parlor with Polly Shore, and when Flea, the tattoo artist, goes, what kind of tattoo can I get you? Or what can I do for you? She goes, I'd like something a little feminine. And Flea goes, well, you just walked in with him. <laughs> it's a great fucking joke. <clears throat> so ninth on my list here. Sorry, that was stupid, but that's a funny fucking joke. Um, I like Paulie Shore. I went hip hop with number nine, and this was again. It was a it was a tough choice, and I'm gonna say this, and I, we're not gonna elaborate. We won't elaborate. Um, but like like Aaron was saying, I mean, you just make a list. It's hard to pick, you know, for especially for 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 appreciators of music like me and my brother are. Number nine was a hip hop hip hop artist for me, and it was hard to choose. I chose Dr. Dre. Um, I gotta scratch him off my list till then. Alright. But, and, and you know what? To be honest, Tupac almost cracked the list. Like, I, I am I am a huge fan of Pac as well. Dre, though, is, to me, the reason I put him on the list and not Pac was... It's because he made a fucking Chronic album. Yes, Chronic's the greatest hip-hop album ever. If you're a younger listener of this program and you like modern hip hop, you're 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 wading in the wrong waters and you should listen to Chronic. Chronic is the greatest hip hop album ever made. But the other reason that I that I picked Dre was over pa, over Tupac was he's also alive am- and an amazing producer. <laughs> Sorry, I was being. I know, facetious. but you know what I'm saying. Like he, his his impact is so much deeper. Um, yeah. you know, you you Snoop Dogg, Warren G, um, I mean Eminem, fuck. Lady Rage. Yeah, he he and and again, like Aaron, like Aaron alluded to, and I will agree, the Chronic is the greatest hip hop album ever made. Like, The Chronic is fucking the wall of hip-hop. You know what I mean? Like, it is... And and he did that style of rap. And when I say that style of rap, like, the gangsta style of rap. And I know I said it super white. The, but real, the gangsta style of no, rap. But the real nobody does style better than him. Nobody does it better than him. What am I... My favorite, my favorite hip hop song ever, ever, is "Forgot About Dre." Honest to God, honest to God, that's my. I mean, and I have, I love California Love. Like California Love is California Love is a close second. Hit 'em up, but 
Forgot About Dre is my favorite hip-hop song ever. I love that fucking song. And to tie it into wrestling, and Aaron's heard me say this before, I really wish WCW or WWE, when they were returning Hulk Hogan, would have got a fucking um, rights to Forgot About Dre. Which is what I was going to say, was one of my favorite Dr. Dre stories... And obviously, I'm not like saying, oh, Dr. Dre told me the story. One of my favorite, I shouldn't say stories, like he did an interview and he was talking about the fact that he wasn't making as much, like, how do I say it? Like, he was, he was, he was considered poor. Uh Like, his family considered, they were considered poor, which poor to me. And you would be like, "Oh shit, we're eating ramen noodles." <laughs> Poor to him was like, "We need to sell. We need to sell two or three of the Rolls Royces." Right. You know? Well, his wife was like, or not his wife. His his accountant was like, "Dre, you're going broke," because Dre had gotten out of doing like the gangster rap type shit, you know. Right. And his wife told him this after he said, babe, we're going broke. She said, well, get back in that studio and do that gangster rap shit, (laughs) but you best not bring it home. Mm -hmm. And he said, all right, I'll go write (laughs) this shit. And that's how you got the Chronic 2000 was that he knew I'll pen this shit but when i go home um fucking huggies and goddamn right but at the legos studi- at the shit at the, studi- you know? at the studio he was like fuck all fuck y'all all of y'all yeah. y'all don't like me blow me <laughs> yeah but when he went home he was like yeah you think i sold them all anyway <laughs> who's your and number? that's why that- nine okay uh, white zombie. Really? Yeah. All right. So we're we're going. Okay, you're at nine. So I'm 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 almost as positive that I'm going to disagree with your number nine as you are going to disagree with my number eight. You don't like Rob Zombie? I didn't say I don't like Rob Zombie, but I wouldn't even put Rob Zombie and White Zombie in my top fifty of the past thirty years. Oh, they make great music. I didn't say I didn't say I didn't like their music, but I'm no, not even close. Go ahead on your you know thing. Yeah. What's your next one? I like them. Um, is it, I mean, I'm not trying to blow it off. That's not what I'm trying to do. I mean, they make catchy music, but I just, like, that one kind of came out of the blue to me. This one might come out of the blue to you, or you know me. You might think, oh, this isn't out I of just blue. really enjoy their, I just really enjoy their shit. That's cool. That's cool. I'm not hating. I just, like, for me personally, I mean, and I'm that way about Rob Zombie's movies, too. Like, I don't. Oh, Rob Zombie's movies are fucking garbage and i don't even know i don't even think his movies are garbage i think they're overrated well they are they're garbage (laughs) okay (laughs) 
His movies are garbage. They're horror to be horror. I don't like nasty shit just to be just nasty. To be, just, that's what I always say about his movies. I'm like, why why are you being gross just to be gross? Yeah. But, but his music is fantastic. Um, What's your favorite uh, White Zombie track? Because I'm really not trying to blow off your list. Like, I'm trying to be cool to it. Like, I'm not trying to argue. I, I really I, like, and this is going to sound stupid, but I really like his remake of Rick House. Have you ever heard that? I like yeah. that. And then, yeah. and I like I really love Thunderkiss. I would say I would say if I had to, uh, uh, yeah. If wow. I had if I had to pick a favorite zombie tune, that would probably be it. It'd probably be Thunderkiss '65. I like that tune, and I don't. I like, uh, again, shit. I don't. I don't dislike zombie. I just like they. They honestly, honest to God. If I'm looking at the past thirty odd years of rest of wrestling of music, they wouldn't they wouldn't be in my top fifty. But we had this conversation, folks, over a text about the Beastie Boys, which I'm sure we're going to get to. But um, I got a lot of their songs. Music is art, and it's subjective. And I'm not trying to hate. I'm not trying to piss on anything. Um, you might piss on this though. My number eight of the past, you know. What is it? Thirty-four years. Fuck, I'm old. We said eighty-five to two thousand. But anyway, of that fifteen years, number eight on my list is Alanis Morissette. I ironic. I I am a fan of Alanis Morissette, but I'm also a fan. I am. Aaron knows this. I'm a big fan of. I like female vocalists. I like female alt artists, and that's probably a '90s thing. I don't know, but you know, like Alanis and and uh, fucking Natalie Imbruglia and and Jewel. And I am a fan of that type of music. You know, you know, listeners, you want to hate on me? Go fuck yourself. I don't care. Listen to your own music. But I who like. The, a, I who like was a, a dog broad? What's that? Who was like the cat and dog broad that was just like bringing everybody down? In like ninety six. Cat and dog. I don't know. Yeah, like, like you'd look up at the fucking TV and you're like trying to eat like a hot pocket and there's like a fucking cat with like no ears <laughs> missing an eye. I don't even know. <laughs> like Lisa Loeb? Is it Lisa Loeb? Hey, Lisa Loeb. She Any- wants you to stay. This Any- chick just wants you to donate. Anyway oh, uh, Sarah McLaughlin. Sarah McLaughlin, yeah. yes. But no, I'm yeah, talking about Alanis Morissette, who is completely different from Sarah McLaughlin. Alanis Morissette is angsty. Her music, uh, until she fucking found Buddhism, but she she did she good played, music she then, too. God. What? She played God. Yes, she did in Dogma. But yeah. I really like Alanis's music, and, and I like her voice. Like, my, my main thing about Alanis Morissette is her voice, honestly. Um, but I just, I, I am, I am a, that it's funny because back in the nineties, Aaron, you remember that some people that live, honestly, God, some of our younger listeners might not even remember this, this phrase, but you remember the way the phrase Fairweather Johnson. Yeah, that was a hootie album. It was, and it was, it was pretty much a, a, essentially a. 
Oh, you just got on that bandwagon. And I'm going to say, honestly, for Alanis, I got on her bandwagon. I, I like Alanis Morissette. I like her I like her style. I like her music. I, I listen to her to this day. If she brings out a new album, I listen to it, and I love it. And I like Alanis. So if any of our listeners want to not... hate on that, nah, go fuck yourself. You know, you listen to your own like... music. I'm not going to hate on Alanis Morissette. She might be the reason, though, that um, the South Park guys think the Canadians have floppy heads. <laughs> because, like, she sung, her, like, mouth was, like, huge. <laughs> so who's your number eight, brother? Like I said, I don't want you putting numbers on it because I'm not saying this is, like, my number eight. Well, I'm just going down, but, I'm just going down my list and going by the number. Okay, this is the first band that could be, like, or band or musician that could be somebody that you would, like, put in, like, you know, it might change from year to year or whatever. If that makes sense, it would be Weezer. Oh, fuck it. I love Weezer. Okay. Oh, they're great. And they still put out good shit. Yeah, they do. Goddamn right they do. Um, I'm going to say this. In the in the nineties, during that grudge era, et cetera, et cetera, and I did like grudge music. I'm not gonna lie. I, but um, in my group of friends, and I've I've told Kendall this a number of times, I was the only Weezer fan. Like, I fucking love Weezer. Then um, all your friends were idiots. You're right. <laughs> That band is amazing. Like, they channel emotion, um, and they they do it loudly and almost too loudly, but good. You know what I mean? Like, Weezer's yeah. music. Weezer's music is great because it's like it channels my emotion. It almost annoys me, <laughs> but it's so good you can't deny it. Sweater song. A- sweater song is amazing like that is and as, a, and as a band they should have there should have been more people in that band than that there than there were yeah than the yeah i can't talk <laughs> there should have been more people in that band than what they sounded like oh yeah definitely it's almost like i know it's gonna sound cliche because they did the buddy holly song or whatever but it's like buddy holly and the the crickets yeah no definitely nobody believed that there was just three guys putting out this fucking sound oh absolutely you know what's funny and you can tell me if you think that i am completely off base in this statement or not because because some people, when I say it, they don't they don't see my comparison between the two bands, but I do. I think of Weezer as the less boring and much better Radiohead. Yeah, hey, because Radiohead sucks. I don't know that Radiohead sucks, but I do know that Radiohead is boring. Um. You know, like Radiohead for our generation, especially, 
Like, and there's a little bit of a difference between us, but I'd say our generation slash my generation. Like, there's so many people in my generation that regard Radiohead, like, as this... It sounds silly, but it's not silly because it's true. There are a lot of people in my generation that regard Radiohead on the same level as you two. Like, they hold them... Well, in they that, fuck themselves, too. They, they, they hold them in that regard, and I just don't see it with Radiohead, but I can definitely see it with Weezer. Um, yeah, I, I totally agree with Weezer. They're not... I don't have them listed in my top ten here, but they would definitely be on my list. And I love that band. Um, number seven on my list um, is R.E.M. I almost put R.E.M. on my list. Um, and, and it's funny, too, with R.E.M. because... I, I, uh, let's play a game. Let's play a game. Like Saw. If you could, If you could say, Nate... If you could ask me, Nate... I'm gonna guess what your favorite REM song is. What would what do you think my favorite REM song would be? Because you're probably gonna get it wrong. <laughs> but Kendall did too. Uh, it's What's the Frequency, Kenneth? No, I love that fucking song. And actually, this this song is on that album because that's my favorite REM album. But my favorite REM song is Drive. It's a good song. I love that song. That song is, it's deep, it's catchy, um, but I mean, even if you go back to their more lighthearted stuff, like Losing My Religion and Shiny Happy People and, and, and whatever it is, like R.E.M. to me is pre-alt, you know, and, and it's, uh, those guys are, I think they're a great band. Like, I, I actually, and I know you and I might disagree, because I know you do like you 2 yeah, but I it was one of my favorite concerts that I ever went to. Oh yeah, oh god damn, U2 was great. But for me, like if I'm looking at if I'm looking at it as a big big stadium band, um, like my favorite stadium band of all time is Queen. But we're talking about a certain um, time frame. Like if I'm talking about that time frame. I would say that my favorite stadium band, like stadium band music, is R.E.M. Like, I just, I fucking love R.E.M. I, I, I've never heard anything that R.E.M. I, okay, I've heard some stuff that R.E.M. did that I thought was a little bit boring. But my number one band, my favorite band of all time, has done that too. So, like, R.E.M.'s music, I, overall, I give R.E.M.'s, like, library a 9.5. I love R.E.M. Yep. My favorite R.E.M. songs would be, number one would be What's the Frequency Cat. I love that it's fucking song. fantastic song. Oh, yeah. It just and starts then, off, it just starts off kicking yeah. ass, you know? And then, <laughs> and then I like, I really like Orange Crush. I think it's mm. a good song. Mm. Uh, Orange Crush is like, Orange Crush is one of those, it's like the, it's like one of the greatest, um, oh God, like lick songs. You know what I mean? Like it's just got yeah. a lick, it's got a lick to it that catches you and you're just stuck. Oh yeah, definitely. So number number seven on your list? Did I? Let well, you? we'll just huh? Who's next on your list? I guess I should say. 
Well, we'll just get him out of the way. It's the Beastie Boys. Beastie Boys! And, and you know what, Aaron and I had this conversation earlier in the week. And the Beastie Boys, for me... I've, de- I've decided why it's different between me and you. Okay. I've decided. But you can say your piece. Oh, and, and again, this is one of those things where I'm not hating on the Beastie Boys. Okay, so you're talking about 1985 to 2000. And I say the Beastie Boys are in my top 30. That's not bad. You know what I mean? Like, that's not shitting on them. I know. Um, and I, and I've, I've, I've figured out why we're different on this. I, I like the Beasties. I think that, for me, some of the Beastie Boys music is too abrasive, I guess. I don't know what... I, that's the best way I can put it. Like, I really like the Beasties, and I'm not hating on them at all. I'm not hating on them at all, folks. They were not only, not only a good band, but for their time, they were fucking revolutionary. Um, but some of their music, as I grow older, I guess, it just grinds on me more. I don't know. I know, and that's why I figured it out. You know why? You tell me. I'm going to tell you. Because the Beastie Boys are a party band. Okay? Mm-hmm. And they are a... Get drunk, party, have fun, let loose band, and you I'm drunk had a right kid now. at 18. I know, I know you're drunk right now, <laughs> but you're an 18 year old dad that had a child and stayed at home, and I'm a no sleep till Brooklyn. Hey, ladies, <laughs> girls. Body moving, body moving. Listen, you know? all, listen, all y'all is sabotage. <laughs> yeah, like, and I'm not as much as I was before, but I'm a party guy, and you're a stay-at-home guy, so that's why the Beastie Boys don't resonate or resonate as much to you as they do to me. That makes sense. Like I said, like I when mean, I hear bra- when I hear brass monkey, I'm like, fuck it, fill it up, Yeah, and you're just like, just <laughs> settle down. Like my favorite, my favorite BC songs. I like No Sleep Till Brooklyn. Um, I really like Intergalactic. That's a great song. I like Intergalactic. It's so hip-hop, and it's so funky. And, yeah, I really like that tune. Um, I know it's not one of their earlier tunes, but that's probably, honest to God, Intergalactic's probably my favorite Beasties tune. Like, I really like that song. Um, But, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Like, Listen to the Beasties is definitely listening to shit a notch up. And it's, it, the reason I say, I, I guess I'd say that they are in my 30s and not my top 20s or top 10 is, like, the Beasties is a band that I love, but I have to be in the mood for, if that makes sense. Yeah. One of the greatest lines in, like, rap music history is, I come from Brooklyn because that's where I 
That's because that's where I'm from. <laughs> it's just like these three little white Jewish guys just rapping, <laughs> and they do fantastic. And he's like, "I come from Brooklyn because that's where I'm from." <laughs> so next on my list is um, it's Prince. Oh, I gotta scratch him off. Oh. Fucking Prince, man. Like. Musically, I, there are a lot of people that. that Prince and, didn't die. Prince went home. Yeah, and. And I think that even though I care. I like his music a lot. I, I, I'm I'm gonna say this. I think that that and 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 I knew it, this was I knew Prince was gonna be on Aaron's list. I just knew it when I made my list. I knew I was like, this is a dude we both love. I think that that for you and me, we almost have the same regard for Prince that a lot of people do for Michael Jackson. Which well, he's on my list too. Okay. Well, do you know what I'm saying though? Like. Yeah. Like Michael Jackson's not on my list, even though I love Michael Jackson, um, his music. Like, when Prince died, okay, I was, a, and Prince died at about the same time that the Macho Man Randy Savage died. Mm-hmm. When Prince died, I was in Cincinnati, Ohio, training for the job that I have now, and I went downstairs. And the hotel people were bringing me my continental breakfast. And the lady looked at me and she was like, Prince died. And I was like, fuck you. No, he didn't. (laughs) And then I looked up at the screen and they were like, Prince died. And I was like, I don't even want my breakfast now. (laughs) Right. Yeah, definitely. Um, Okay, so. I was so sad I couldn't even eat. We won't won't go long form on what an amazing performer what a funky performer what a what a versatile performer he was so my my raspberry beret is that your favorite prince song because i was gonna say my bare bones question strip it down as much as you love his entire library as i do what is your favorite prince song i love raspberry beret my favorite prince song before you might jump my shark and, and claim it other than Raspberry Beret for you. My favorite Prince song, honestly, is from later in his career, and it's Seven. I love that song. Oh, Seven's a great song. Seven has so many layers to it. You know what I mean? Just like, um, oh, God. God, you can name any of them. Like, I mean, honestly, I remember my first, like, my first memory like my first, if I'm gonna click it as a kid in my memory, obviously my first, my first memory of Prince is, is a wind dove's cry. But, and and that's an amazing song too. But when you when you expand it out, like I just fucking love Seven. I love that song. It's a great video too. Yeah, it is. All right, so moving on from Prince. Um. Ooh. Oh, go ahead. My guilty, my guilty pleasure Prince song. Mm-hmm. Party Man <laughs> from Batman. 
Oh yeah, man. <laughs> Jack Nicholson. You gonna, like... <laughs> you gonna take Prince and Jack Nicholson and put that shit together <laughs> and not enjoy it? Anybody that says they don't is a motherfucking liar. Money, money, money. Hubba, hubba, hubba. Who do you love? <laughs> anybody that says that they, anybody that's our age, that says they don't enjoy Party Man, is a lying son of a bitch. Fucking Batman is a lying motherfucker. And I, I don't, I don't in any way mean to equate the artists, but anybody that's our age that says I don't like Party Man. Is the same people that our age say, I don't like Ice Ice Baby. Shut up. I don't like Ice Ice Baby. Yeah, you do. You did. No, you did, because I, I watched you not. fucking pop lock to that shit, so I don't want to hear it. So what's next on your list? Never pop lock to nothing. <laughs> whatever. I like, um, whatever. <laughs> I like the MC Hammer. <laughs> I just like Vanilla Ice. You can't touch this. Yeah, you did. You did when you were young and dumb, just like I did. All right. Who's next on your list? I scratched, I scratched Michael Jackson off because you brought him up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And okay. Did you know Did Hold you on. know when he died? You brought him up. I brought him did up. You know, Whatever. Whoever brought you know, him up. Did you know when Michael Jackson died, they melted him down into Legos? <laughs> who, who did that? Um... Do you know why they did? Why? That way kids could play with him for a change. Oh, man. So he was next on your list, right? Yeah. And he wasn't on my list, but I, I love Michael Jackson's music. So we'll just go on to the question. Who? What is your favorite Michael Jackson tune? What is my, my, my favorite Michael Jackson's? Michael Jackson tune. Yes. Um... Man in the Mirror. That's a good one. I know, that's why I said it. <laughs> so, that's not my favorite. I love that song. Um, but to be honest, and my favorite Michael Jackson song is Black and White. It's a, it's a later in his career song, but I really like that song. Um, it's just... I mean, it's just good. I, 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 it's just a good pop song, you know? Yeah. And, um... Hold on, sorry. What were you going to say about it? Number five on my list. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you my... Oh, okay. I know I said Man in the Mirror. Mm-hmm. Um, my... S- Second favorite Michael Jackson song, and it's a it's one that a lot of people don't talk about, and it's they don't care about us. That's a good tune. That's a really good tune. Yeah, and and it's actually my favorite Michael Jackson video. Mm-hmm. They don't even care about us. is a great fucking song, and it's a great fucking video. So. So Michael Jackson, like solo-wise, my favorite song is Black and White. I will say that. My favorite Michael Jackson song, though, like if you're going back, are we going back to Jackson 5? If you want to. This fucking ABC is amazing. Like, 
Michael Jackson. I love Michael Jackson. How far music. back are you going with Michael Jackson? Because pretty want young you back. thing. That's a great guy. Pretty what? young thing. Oh, great yeah. song. I want you back. Like, it's. Uh, I love him as a performer in general. Like, obviously not as a human being, but as a performer um, in general, I love Michael. I, I, I have a hard time sometimes, like, do I love Michael as Michael or do I love Michael as the little boy in Jackson 5 because he has such an amazing voice. But I guess we're narrowing it down to these years, so it's black and white <laughs> for me. Yeah, and that's why we shouldn't have time travel and... Fucking putting one of one of these days. One of these days, we'll do our favorite bands group slash of all time, and we'll have Kyle involved, and that'll be a fucking four hour episode. And that's that's why people shouldn't like you know like you know like they said that oh fucking um, Walt Disney's like in like salt water. And he's being like held until they decide that he can be resurrected and sent back into the past. You know? Yeah. That's why we shouldn't do that. <laughs> it's like, say we would put like Michael Jackson in the same thing and like send him back in the past, then he would just rape himself. <laughs> All right. Moving on. And then we'd be like stuck with this like fantastic plastic creature that nobody's better than and he's just like moonwalking and just like oh my god what do we do he's so talented but he's (laughs) (laughs) all right he's he and all over everybody what do we do stop collaborate and listen ice is back with a brand new edition (laughs) told you you liked vanilla ice all right Number five on my list, and he is actually my top five. Is mm, I only have two left. Jesus, my top five is pretty firm, actually. Number five, <laughs> ask my wife. Number five <laughs> on my list of the of my favorite musicians of the best musicians. From 1985 to the year 2000 is Weird Al Yankovic. God damn it. He was going to be my surprise pick. <laughs> he wasn't actually on your list? Like, no, he he's on my list. Oh, okay. How would you think that was a surprise with me? Because I didn't think you were going to think it. Well, God damn it, you <laughs> learned... You, you, you love Weird Al Yankovic because I do. I'm your older brother. I know, but that guy is the most talented musician ever. Ever. He does all the music. <laughs> and you know what my favorite Weird Al... Weird Al Yankovic, for those of you that... If you don't know about Weird Al, stop listening to my show. But anyway, Weird Al Yankovic is the most versatile talented musician possibly ever because he can do anything but um and i am a hardcore weird al yankovic fan but aaron do you know what my favorite two weird al yankovic songs are no 
One of them is a Weird Al original. <clears throat> Take a guess. Nature Trail to Hell. No, that's a fucking amazing song, but no. My favorite Weird Al original is um, Biggest Ball of Twine in Minnesota. <laughs> I love that song. I, I love that song. <laughs> is, it, is it Weasel Stomping Time? What's that? Is it Weasel Stomping Time? No. Do you remember that one? Yeah, oh God. Yes. Biggest Ball of Twine in Minnesota is the best. I love that song. Now, what do you think my favorite parody is? Weird Al parody. Uh, well, that Weird Al parody. I can't say because I I, I don't want I don't want to say because I know who, what my two favorite are and I'm gonna confuse them. Okay. So my okay my favorite Weird Al original hands down end of story all time is gonna be Biggest Ball of Twine in Minnesota. I love that song. My parodies kind of change as time goes on. You know what I mean? But right now, as we speak, probably for the past... Is it Beverly Hillbillies? No. I love that one. Fuck it, I love that one. But no, right now, that's not my favorite. My favorite right now is... The song is just six words long. <laughs> yeah, that's a great song. Song is just six words long. I love it. I just love it. It's so witty. Long. It's so fucking witty. <laughs> yeah. But anyway. I can tell you what my two are. And you're never going to guess. Like all time favorite. You like Taco Grande? I like Taco Grande, but that's not my that's my two favorite. Parody? Ever. Parody or original? Because there's a difference. Parody. Give me a second. Mm, my Bologna. Nope. Um. All right, go ahead. Tell me one. You tap out. Yeah. It's it's my hard. It's favorite. hard with Weird Al. You know what I mean? I it's hard. My two favorite parodies are, in this order, my favorite goddamn parody of all time with Weird Al is Ryer the Kaiser. Ah, oh, I love that one. <laughs> He's no bum. He lives down the street. He runs the neighborhood daily. And you don't have to, it's not deli, it's daily. Yeah, it's fucking fantastic. <laughs> Back fantastic. on his feet, now he's chopping up meat. <laughs> That's the best goddamn song Weird Al has ever written in his entire life. <laughs> the best one ever. Other than Big Ball of Twine in Minnesota. But go ahead. Nope. <laughs> Riley Kaiser is the funniest goddamn song he's ever wrote. <laughs> And then after that, it's I, I lost on Jeopardy. Oh, I love that one too. <laughs> lost on Jeopardy. 
baby. The best thing about the best, uh, not maybe not the maybe not the best thing about that, but like the 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 most awesome thing about that is they actually got Don Pardo. Yeah. Oh man, I lost on Jeopardy. He's fucking fantastic. <laughs> fucking love it. And then my favorite, like original one. And this, and I'm assuming it's an, a, a, an original one, is The Night Santa Went Crazy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the unedited version is even better. But anyway, yeah. yes. Raya the Kaiser is the... <laughs> <laughs> that, that's... <laughs> Like, when I think of that song, I just crack up. <laughs> so, of the people... No bum. He lives down the street. <laughs> he runs a neighborhood daily. <laughs> Back on his feet. Now he's chopping up meat. <laughs> meat. Uh, I'm fat is funny too. I know and I know it's like a generic one. Ham on ham on whole wheat. <laughs> Alright. <laughs> <laughs> and like that's I said, like Mark, I'm, that's the Mark Madden song. <laughs> I I'm fat. It's just it's 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 like a commercial one, you know, but it's just like fat joke after fat joke. It's so funny. And and when we you watch the video, the house, I really the ex- sit around oh. the house. <laughs> yeah. But you gotta watch the video where he like expands, <laughs> <laughs> and he does the whole fucking shit in like the the balloon suit. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> you know I'm fat. I'm fat. Ham on. <laughs> Ham on whole wheat. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> <sighs> we could do a whole episode on Weird Al. <laughs> like <That's> the... <laughs> he's the fucking shit. <laughs> That's the next episode. Yeah. Is we're going to do our top 10 favorite weird. <laughs> I'm on board. Top 10 favorite Weird Al songs. <clears throat> so now I picked Weird Al. Who's next on your list that isn't crossed off? The last group that I have on my list. Oh, shit. You got one left? Yeah, and you better have one left. I, they had a... I have four. Huh? I have four left. Oh my god! I don't have time for that. <laughs> you better. <laughs> no, I really don't have time for that. So go through yours real quick. All right, number four, the Smashing Pumpkins. They're not on my list. He has a good wrestling promotion. <laughs> he does. And it and it correlates, but yeah, the Pumpkins is is one of my favorite bands. Um, 
of all time. And I really, uh, I really relish the fact that I got to see them in concert recently, and it's cool. Um, but yeah, I like the Pumpkins. Number three is my favorite punk band of all time, and that is Green Day. I like Green Day. The best punk album ever ever made is American Idiot. Like, from 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 the minute you hit play to the minute he that it hits stop. Uh, American Idiot is an amazing album. Well, I think their first one would be... Well, I shouldn't say their first one, because I don't know if somebody... You're, you're saying but, Dookie, right? Yeah, you know, and I don't want to say, oh, that was their first album, because somebody's going to be like, well, I have a goddamn... <laughs> I, have a, I, have a, I have a tape from 86 when... Where they were a fucking... They were called Purple Day... And yeah, they were called Purple Day, and they <laughs> played in my garage. And I'm like, fuck off. But Dookie's a better album. I disagree, but we won't go too far into that. I, I fucking love American Idiot. I think it's the best punk album ever made. Number two on my list is my number two favorite. The Two and one are my favorites. My favorite bands ever. So if we do a favorite of all time... These are going to be a repeat. Number two for me is the band Tool. I don't like Tool. I don't know why. Tool, musically, is a fucking symphony. Their music is a symphony. Bass, guitar, vocals, drums. It is Mozart in rock and roll. And you can know that... You know that I'm not... Like... Arguing you, arguing just to argue because oh, even we, even when we were kids, I was like, I don't like Tool. I know. And then I wanted to like Tool because they liked Bill Hicks, <laughs> and I really like Bill Hicks, but I don't like Tool. I, and Tool for me is more that that kind of thing where they are. If, if I take the vocals and the bass and the drums and the guitars and everything all together, to me, that band is like a symphony. And, and guess what? I don't want to learn to swim. So stop repeatedly telling me to do that. All right, but. Because they have that song where they're like, learn to swim, learn to swim, yeah. learn to swim, well, the lyrics, learn to swim. The lyrics of that song will <laughs> actually teach someone how to learn to swim and not be religious. But. If you okay, if you do not, huh? I was being stupid. I know. If you do not listen to one Tool song, or okay, if you do not listen to two Tool songs (laughs) in your life, the one you super happy happy. the, The one you should listen to is a song called Schism. 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 It's my favorite rock. It's my it sounds fa- like, like a rapper. It's my favorite rock song ever. Okay. So anyway, so we did we have did you have anybody else that was on your list that wasn't on mine? I have one band left. And it's Pearl Jam. Well, goddamn, my brother, you must know what my favorite my favorite band period, end of story, no matter what time period it is, 
is it's Pearl Jam. Them. No, it's Pearl Jam. Pearl Jam is my favorite band ever. Um, when I was a younger man, I thought that Nirvana was my favorite band ever. But that was because I was a younger man. <laughs> and and not that Nirvana is not a great band, because they were. But Pearl Jam is the greatest rock band, um, whether this era or any other era. And I know some old guy is going to be like, It was Led Zeppelin, you fucking idiot! Pearl Jam is the greatest rock band ever. Eddie Vedder is the greatest frontman ever. They're my a, favorite band ever. A funny Nirvana story is... Epstein didn't kill himself? It's this. <laughs> that myself and my brother, which is Nate, That's who me. is... The other person on this conversation, and when I'm done, and when I'm done telling this story, I'm gonna sign off because I'm not gonna listen to schism. These fools suck. (laughs) Shut up! (laughs) Shut the fuck up! All right, go ahead. Schism sucks. I'm just gonna tell you now before I even listen to it. It sounds like jism, and I want nothing to do with it. Anyway, myself and my brother come home, and we're with our with our mother, and she's like, "Well, I'm gonna go out in the kitchen and get you guys some soda." And we're like, "Cool." No, she wasn't. She had the soda locked up. <laughs> anyway, we sit down and we and we turn on the TV, and Kurt Loader is on the TV. And he looks very somber. And Kurt Loder looks very somber. MTV News. We just, and we just see him for a second. And he sends it off to like a Nirvana video. And 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 it's like fucking Kurt Cobain singing Teen Spirit. And then it goes into like Nirvana unplugged. And he's singing like, In the Pine... In the pine and all this shit, you know, and then it goes into like another thing, and then Kurt Loder comes back and he goes, "We'll be right back after the break." And Nate goes, "Man, they're playing a lot. Of, they're playing a lot of Nirvana music. <laughs> Why do you think that?" And I go, "Well, and this is little me. It's probably like nine. I go, well, you know, usually well. when they're." Playing music about somebody a lot and talking about him. It's probably fucking dead. I bet Kurt Cobain's dead. And my brother, who has his Kurt Cobain hair and his little, <laughs> his little fucking flannel coat on, he's like, no way, man. Kurt Cobain's not dead. I w- hold on, hold on. I was and then, I was grunge personified, by the way. And then Kurt Loder comes back on, and he looks in the camera and he goes, "Hey guys, this isn't verbatim. I don't know." Courtney Love killed Kurt Cobain. Hey, he goes, "Hey guys, 
I hate to report this. But Kurt Cobain's dead. He blew half his face off. And then Nate's like, no! And he runs upstairs. Aaron's like, hee And Mom brings out the Pepsi and she goes, where'd your brother go? I'm like, well, he's upstairs. Sad. Because Kurt Cobain. <laughs> Kurt Cobain. He's upstairs sad. Blew half his face off. I'll take that Pepsi now. <laughs> <laughs> what I will say is this. <clears throat> at least loader. Where's that guy? I don't know. We're gonna have to research that. But what I will say is this. That story's halfway true. It's mostly true, actually. I was sad when Kurt Cobain died. Like I said, back then I had convinced myself that Nirvana was the greatest band of all the fucking time. And now it is Pearl Jam, and I'm firmly convinced of that. Um, And hopefully one day we do our greatest bands of all time, because this list will gradually change. Weird Al will probably still be there. He'll be number one. (laughs) And speaking of which, Pearl Jam... Another great Weird Al song, original, is My Baby's in Love with Eddie Vedder. (laughs) That's a great tune. Yes. But Aaron, anyway, I know we both have to go. It's all about the Pentiums, baby. (laughs) I'm friends with Bill Gates. I call him money for short. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, fucking hell yes. (laughs) So Aaron... Say goodbye to your loyal listeners of the weekend. I'm pretty fly for a rabbi. <laughs> Hitching lots of buggies, churning lots of butter. Raised a barn he's, on he's, Monday. Soon I'll raise him another. He is the Bobby Heenan of music. You're right. That's not a. That's not a, at all an unfair act. Um, comparison. Funniest motherfucker ever, man. (laughs) (laughs) Say goodbye. I'm going to start fucking Tootsie. I want to thank everyone for joining us on this, this, this edition. This edition of the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Your favorite wrestling podcast, where by the end we are fucking shit-faced. But you know what? It's our podcast, and... I gotta go poop and sleep. I've never sold to a, to a corporation, so we don't have to answer to them about our drinking. Aaron, say bye-bye, Tootsie, to your listeners. That's hot. That's hot. And we will see you next week. On the Wing Can't Wrestle Podcast. Go ahead and hang up. On the We Can't Wrestle Podcast, we ask you to join us each and every week. And I'm going to let Al Jolson play us out 
with the Tootsmont <laughs> theme. Dumbest idea ever had. <laughs> no, it's not it's great. It's Tootsmont. It's the, it's the OG. His name was Tootsmont because he had little hands. <laughs> Dupes, he's got little hands. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> Headley, thank you for joining us on this week's edition of the We Can't Wrestle podcast. They we'll called s- me Toots because I had the Toots. I didn't. <laughs> Bye, Aaron. <laughs> We'll see you next time <laughs> on the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Hasta la vista, Because I had Nacho's Bel Grande, but he had little hands. <laughs> <laughs>